Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
All right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is March 25th, 2015. It's Wednesday. It's about eight and a half minutes past noon out here on the Pacific. That's all true where you're at. That means we're live, and being live, that means you can talk. So... That room now you can six six seven three eight. That is toll free five six six five five. No, I don't have it completely memorized. Eight five 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 six six. That is the number, and it is toll-free, and you can call in, and you'll get right on the air if I, you know, there, but uh, chances that might not happen. You probably will get on the air. There you go. Give it a shot. Give it a try. What What do you got to lose? But... Like I said, if you don't want to go on the air, you don't want to be heard, uh, you know, your voice and all that, you can go to the chat room. And plus the chat room, you don't have to participate in the show. You can just go and chat with the other folks. There's only a couple people in there now, but go up and talk to them. Chat room's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's usually somebody in there. Not always, but usually. Anyway. Let's get to uh, things and stuff now. Uh, I guess I'll do this one first because it's kind of unrelated to the other things that I want to talk about, but it is kind of uh, important now. This is about McCullough, the current Virginia governor. He's a criminal. This guy is a crook from day one. He is a Clinton operative. Okay, that's all he is. He has no... He has no no reason he should be a governor, okay? He's nothing but a money-bundling puke, okay? This guy is probably one of the worst, most corrupt governors in the country right now, the governor of Virginia. Let's hear a little story about before he was governor, you know, shortly before he was governor. And you know what, folks, we've got to change some things in this country to where these these major politicians cannot be investors in in huge companies that benefit from their policies. You know this has to this has to end. This is clearly, you know, it, 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 they say it's not a crime, but it is clearly their their agenda is to make money. Their agenda is to push their company and their investors and their stockholders and all that. It's a conflict of interest. It's clear. It's right in front of us, and everybody knows it, and they keep doing it and saying, no, it's okay, really. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't affect me at all. Sure, just like you and me, folks, right? That's why everybody, when you go to work and your boss says, hey, I want you to do something that you don't want to do. I want you to be here a day that you're not scheduled to be here. I want you to, and that's why everybody in America tells your boss, yeah, shove off, Pally. I did my time for this week. Uh, You get nothing. 
That's why everybody says that, because nobody cares about their job. Nobody cares about making a living, right? Nobody cares about any of that stuff. Just like all the politicians, they don't care. Sure, I've got a billion-dollar company that I'm running, and the policies of the federal government can either make me or break me, but ah, that doesn't matter to me. I certainly wouldn't make any policy decisions based on my own well-being. Of course not, because these are superhuman elite. They're better than you and me, folks. That's why. Why do you think they came up with the word elite? They're not elite. They're a bunch of parasite criminals, but they call themselves elite, and they've got you calling them the elite, too. Why? Because elite means they're better than you, and that's why they can say, oh, no, 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 my living, my wife's little fur coat and her brand-new Mercedes doesn't mean anything to me. I wouldn't change any policy decisions for that. No, I'm above that because I'm elite. I'm better than you now. You may. But that's you, because you're not elite like me. Folks, don't fall for it. They're just a bunch of criminal parasites who are conning you. Not long before he became governor of Virginia, Democrat liar Terry McAuliffe received special treatment on behalf of his electric car company. Oh, my. And is the government pushing electric cars? Uh Uh-huh. Top official at the Department of Homeland Security, according to a new report from the Department's Inspector General. Oh, you're going to like this. McAuliffe was among several politically powerful individuals from both parties, including Senator Harry Reid. Except Harry Reid is also a Democrat. Seeking special visas. Now, I want you to listen to this. I remember just the other day, and I posted the link in the chat room, and if you don't go to the chat room to get these links when I tell you, then you're missing out, okay? The map of the homeland for homeland security is Canada, the United States, Mexico, and all of Central America. So, they're seeking special visas for foreign investors through a program administered by the department. But intervention on behalf of McCulloch's Green Tech Automotive Company by Alejandro Barocas. Yeah, the department's number two official. Are you kidding me? Really? Alejandro Barocas? Oh, yeah, there you go. There's a good American name. Not more evidence, folks, that, you know what, that map is not a accident. Folks, what they have done, they have created a, a Department of Homeland Security that is not just the United States. What they did was they de facto created a North American Union without asking anybody, telling anybody, or anything else. They just went ahead and did it. Now they've got some Latino in the number two position, and why not? With all of Mexico and Central America being part of the homeland, 
shouldn't they have some one of their own in a powerful position like number two? You know what, folks? If it looks like a duck and craps like a duck, it's a duck. They can call it homeland or whatever they want. It's the North American Union, and they're just doing it. They don't care. They're just going ahead and doing it, just like they're going ahead and doing this nuke deal with Iran. Now, whichever way you feel about the nuke deal with Iran, maybe you feel, hey, so what? Let, let Iran have nukes. You know, I'm inclined to not really care. Because I really, really doubt Iran is going to have the capability anytime, anytime real soon or anytime before we couldn't stop them to have an intercontinental ballistic missile that could actually hit the United States. And to tell you the truth, I really don't give a damn about the rest of the world. Let Iran nuke the rest of the world. I don't care. Not that I'm saying, you know, exploding nuclear weapons would probably be a good idea, but it's probably going to be less damaging than Fukushima. Nobody seems to care much about that. So fine, let Iran nuke somebody. What do I care? Let them nuke Israel. Let Israel nuke them. Let them all turn the whole Middle East into a glass parking lot. That's what they want to do. Have at it, man. But maybe you don't think they should. Maybe you figure, oh, poor little Israel, poor little innocent Israel. Okay, fine. Well, whichever way you feel about the Iranian nuke deal, either side should be livid about the fact that the State Department and the federal government is saying, yeah, the American people aren't going to get to know anything about this deal until it's signed, sealed, and delivered. Oh, really? So you're going to make a deal, and then you're going to tell us, and here's what you agreed to. No, I did not. I don't agree to any of this. As a matter of fact, I reject everything the federal government does at any time with anybody. What's going on? Meanwhile, they've got the Homeland Department of Homeland Security, which is not just the United States. Why do you think they didn't call it the United States Security Department? Why didn't they call it that? Because it's not that. Because they said homeland, and they figure, oh, hey, guess what? <laughs> All the Americans are going to think we mean the United States, when really, no, we don't mean the United States. We mean all of North and Central America, because we're doing the North American Union, and we don't care if you all like it or not. The long-anticipated report found no evidence of law-breaking. Of course not. Because why? Well, the same criminals doing all this are the ones making the laws, saying, no, 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 really, it's okay for me to own a major multi-international corporation that is dependent on government regulation and subsidies. It's okay for me to own that. That won't affect my decisions. I'm here for the public good. Of course, I'm above all of you because I'm elite. And I would never stoop to the levels of just simple making lots of dirty money. No, I would never do that. 
because I'm better than all of you, is what they want you to believe. So, no, they found no law-breaking. Oh, I'm, I'm shocked, aren't you? You would think that it would be against the law, wouldn't you? What if you were running the government? Would you make that against the law? I would. Matter of fact, I'd say no. You know what? As a matter of fact, I I put limits on things. If you've got a net worth over so much, you can't run for public office. If you are a stockholder uh, more than you know, like a minimal one percent stockholder or something, you're not allowed to do anything. And, and no, sorry, public service is supposed to be kind of a community service sort of thing. And anybody out there who's you know, you see, this is the thing. Folks, we got to get our thinking caps on and pull our heads out of our behind here because, you know what, here they tell you, all right, so uh did something wrong, they say. Uh, usually you make a deal and uh, say, well, you got uh, 20 hours of community service. Oh, community service, isn't that nice? Well, that's 20 hours of slavery because you don't get paid for it, okay? You don't get paid for that. That is slavery. That's the part in the, in the Constitution that says slavery is okay as long as it's in punishment for a crime. They don't even bother with that because community service, you, you agree to it. And it's like indentured servitude. You're allowed to sign yourself over to slavery. Just like the guys did to come to America, man. They said, sure, okay, fine. I'll work for you for nothing or close to nothing for you know, whatever, a year, five years, seven years, whatever it is, in return for passage colonies, okay? That's what a lot of people did because they wanted out of Europe. They wanted out of England. So they said, hey, you know what? I'll be your slave for however long the agreement was, in return, to give me passage over there. Okay? So community service is a punishment. It's indentured servitude. You don't get paid for it. Now, oh, but wait a minute. When the big shots go to do it, why? They're pulling down a pretty nice little paycheck for their public service. Yeah? Well, guess what? I think the pays ought to be cut by a, by three quarters. And you know what? If you have been making more than that or more than double that, you're not allowed to be a, a public servant. All right? And again, federal wages should be cut in half right away. Everybody across the board and the whole federal government cut in half, unless, of course, it goes below the federal minimum wage. And, of course, you've got to bounce off the bottom of the minimum wage there and give them that at least. But honestly, folks, why should federal employees get paid more, double more, than somebody else out in the private sector doing the exact same job? Why? Why should they? 
Why should your so-called public servants be in there raking down a couple of hundred grand a year so they are put in a position to be rewarded by making even more money by their dirty, stinking deals like McCulloch and uh, Dirty Harry Reid do? Yes, the report found no evidence of law-breaking, but members of the department staff perceived Iorca's actions as politically motivated. And the report concluded that he had created an appearance of favoritism and special access. Gee, I wonder why. Well, we got a Mexican, and number two, and what do we know about Mexicans and Mexican government officials? Oh, yes, they're corrupt. They have a corrupt nature. This is their culture you keep talking about, folks. They have a culture of corruption. This is how the Mexican government runs, by bribery and favoritism and special access. This is what they do. This is who they are. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that, as long as they keep it in Mexico. Keep it in Central America. I don't really care. That's fine, because you know what? If I come to your place and I know that's how it is, well, guess what? I'm coming with a pocket full of money so I can make the bribes I need to make, so I can pay off the people I need to pay off. But I don't want it here. You can live any way you want to live, but not in my country. And now we have one of these dirtbags, number two position at Homeland Security. Folks, this isn't going to end well. The report is likely to stir up a renewed scrutiny of the department's management of the EB-5 visa program. You know what, folks, why do you think this has happened with immigration? Why do you think they put the immigration service under homeland security? So they could destroy it. That's why now it's under the homeland. And, oh, we got to let all these Latinos in from Central America and South America. Well, not South America, but... Central America and Mexico, because they're part of the homeland, don't you know? Did anybody tell you this when they said we need to create the Department of Homeland Security? Why did we do that? Well, to protect us from the cave-dwelling Muslims that blow up uh, buildings by flying airplanes into them, invisible airplanes that come out the other side of the building after they blow up. Woohoo! Isn't that great? Uh, let's see. The EB-5 visa program allows foreign nationals who create jobs in the United States to obtain green cards. And it is likely to rekindle examination of McCulloch and Green Tech, which at the time of Mallorca's actions was under investigation by the Securities and Exchange Commission over its conduct in soliciting foreign investors. McCulloch doesn't give a damn about Americans. He wasn't looking for Americans to invest in his company. He was looking for foreigners. Remember I mentioned multinational corporations? Yeah, that's what that's what they're all into. These are all globalists who are working in the federal government. They are globalists. 
folks, we have a country, we have borders, we have the United States of America. And you know what? I'm not all that proud of America either. Because this, as far as the government goes, and you like it or not, folks, the government actions of the United States, what the rest of the world judges you by. Now, whether that's fair or whether that's right or whatever, that's the truth of the matter is. The rest of the world judges you, every American in this country, by the actions of your corrupt criminal government. And that's how the rest of the world looks at you. And you have your government to thank for that, not the Muslims, not the rest of the people in the world that hate you. You can't blame them. All they get is what your government is doing to them and their country, and then they put that on you, that, hey, man, this must be what you want because you're the land of the free. You've got a democratic government. You're the ones running the government. We the people, blah, 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 and all the other BS everybody likes to talk about all the time about how the government is us, and we're the government, we're in charge, and we're a democracy, and we the people, and blah, blah, blah. It's all crap, folks. The government does what it wants to do. But you know what? The rest of the world sees it as representing you, and that's why they hate you, and they got really, really good reasons to do so. Said this isn't going to end well. Initially popular with lawmakers from both parties, the visa program has prompted accusations from detractors that it puts visas up for sale, which it does, and doesn't provide sufficient oversight to ensure that the promised jobs materialize, which it doesn't, because what they do is they say, well, I'm willing to invest a million dollars in this corrupt piece of crap's elected officials, you know, company or a company that somebody paid him big money to, you know, make sure that they get money. And my million bucks, uh, we estimate that should create 100 jobs. Oh, okay, here's your visa. Check. And uh, off you go. And the million bucks goes into the company, but there's no oversight to make sure those jobs are actually created. It's kind of like the FDA's uh, deal with Monsanto, where uh, how does the FDA decide if something's safe? Well, Monsanto told us it's safe. So therefore, it must be safe, because why? They wouldn't lie to us. We're the FDA, and plus, they're all elite, too, and they would never lie for their own benefit. just sit back and go, la, 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 la. Oh, global warming's real. There are still people to be conscious. Still believe that crap about global warming. Now, whether the, the earth is warming or cooling or whatever it's doing, doesn't really matter because there's nothing we can do about it because the fact is it really has got nothing to do with anything we do. I think about it, folks. 
really think that you cutting your lawn with a gas motor, driving an SUV, or cows farting in California are going to change the climate more than the big burning ball in the sky? Really? Do you? You know what? That thing spits at us in the wrong way, and we're all fed. Can we do that? Not likely. Here's the thing. That, 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 that really is it, folks. I mean, it's so obvious. It's right in front of everybody, and everybody's buying this crap, and it's all Al Gore. Well, it's not all just Al Gore, but it's Al Gore and his buddies. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to institute a new market, like the stock market, like the NASDAQ, like the gold paper market, like all these other fraud markets that they start up just to push money around to keep the system, you know, kick the can down the road one more year, two more years, or ten more years, or however long it'll last, and that's what they're doing. They want this carbon credit market, and that's all it really is. It's just another market. It's a place to trade worthless stuff they just made up. And the nice thing for them is, well, seeing as how I made it up, I got lots of it. It's like the be, getting to be the banker at the, uh, you know, at the Monopoly game. Oh, yeah, you get to, uh, you know, <laughs> you get to have as much money as you want. This this game's great. You can never go broke because you're the banker at the Monopoly game. You need more money, you just stick your hands in the in the thing, grab some. But yet they had to create a story to justify it, and it's global warming, and it's just crap. And everybody knows it's crap, but... The media keeps pushing it, and the public school graduates just keep buying it. And (laughs) then they go to college, and then they get to say, well, I'm in college, I'm smart, but I don't even know who was in the Civil War. That's Texas Tech. Geniuses at Texas Tech that don't even know who was in the Civil War. It's just amazing. And then they tell I'm a psychology major. I'm a this major. I'm a human studies major. Studies major? Really, what is that anyway? A human studies degree? What's that? You go watch strippers all day long, human studies? What is that? And the nice thing is they get to be fifty dollars to $100,000 in debt when they're all done. Isn't that great? We'll take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Food prices have increased over forty percent. Energy prices have increased over twenty percent. Wheat and gas prices have increased over seventy percent. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still March 25th, 2015. It's still Wednesday. It's 12.45 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If all that's true where you're at, we're live. You can go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Everything you need to know about the network is there, and you can even participate in the show in the chat room or you can just uh, chat with the other folks in there. And uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, the you know the room guessed on the song, and they got it right. The first one that is the Ramones, and the second one was not Bob Dylan. It was Johnny Winter. Anyway, uh, and and a good a good point was also made in the chat room during the break. Federal wages seem high because private sector wages have stagnated. Federal wages have been adjusted for inflation year after year after year after year, and private wages have not. That's true. You know, that is absolutely true. But you know what? To me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, you know what, if we're all going to suffer, then federal employees need to suffer too because, you see, these people – have now become 50% of the workforce or more. And with that happening, folks, now you have a population that is a big voting block. Oh, they're given time off to go vote even from their job, unlike you. And um, they do vote, and they vote for more money for them. And they don't care about you. More money for us. More money for us. We don't care what happens to you because we want more money for us. As long as we're doing good, we don't give a damn about you. That is basically the public employee mindset. Look at the teachers' unions. Year after year after year, they fail worse and worse and worse. Children are falling behind the rest of the world. Every single year, the test scores get worse. What is the teachers' union solution? Get rid of the test. Folks, you don't usually reward people for failure, and that is what the teachers are being – that's what's being done with them. They are being rewarded for failure. Now, I get the story that, oh, well, they only can teach what they're told to teach, and it's the administration and the government. And they're, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. So they're ruining your children's future for their paycheck? Well, guess what? You know what? I don't want anybody with that kind of mindset around any kid of mine. Do you? Who cares more about their own paycheck? Enough so? They will steal your child's future from them? Ruin any chance of a family or anything from your children just so they can get their retirement? That's who's teaching your children right now. They're not teaching them to read and write and do arithmetic and history. No, they're teaching them that they need to be more accepting of a deviant lifestyle of death. 
Barack Obama will keep 9,800 U.S. troops in Afghanistan through 2015. Wait a minute. Wasn't this the guy telling us he was going to get out of Afghanistan in 18 months, uh, like seven years ago? Wasn't that him? Oh, I guess that was just a campaign promise. And I, I guess all the families of all the dead soldiers from Afghanistan, I guess that's okay with you, too. Are you proud? Are you so proud? Oh, I'm so proud Junior died. Yes, Junior died guarding opium fields. I'm so proud. You know what? People who are proud of that are as dim-witted as the global warming crowd. Okay? Now, look, I get the realities of life. He, uh, kid's got no job, he's got no future, you know, he doesn't have much of a choice, so he goes in the military and gets himself killed. Well, the parents don't want to accept the reality that he was just a paid mercenary that died for drug money. But that's the reality of it, folks. That is the reality of it. And until we start accepting reality, nothing can ever change. Your children will continue to get tossed into the meat grinder and come out chopped beef for your dog to eat. That's what's going to happen. Because nothing else can happen until we accept the truth of what's going on here. And now he's going to keep them there. The U.S. president was planning to cut the number of troops from the current 9,800 to 5,000 by the end of the year withdrawing completely by the end of 2016. Now they say, oh, we're still leaving in 2016. I doubt it. Do you know why? Okay. Do you know why he changed his mind? Yeah. Because the president of Afghanistan asked for flexibility and troops drawdown plan. Do you know why? Because he knows the minute the U.S. troops leave, he's going to be killed. His whole family's going to be killed, and everybody who supported him is going to be killed. Afghanistan would remain a dangerous place until Afghan security forces are able to maintain security in the country of their own. Yes, the country of their own. The country that Obama gave them. Because it's not their own. And that's why they're going to be killed the minute the U.S. troops leave. This is why the U.S. troops aren't leaving. is because they know the minute they do, guess what? Opium production is going to come to an end in Afghanistan. That's right. Because the Taliban-led Muslims... Now, look, as much as I, I, I don't like Muslims, and I, I believe that they're... Their Muhammad was nothing but a pedophile, lunatic in a cave. They got one thing right. They don't believe in providing heroin to the rest of the world. They think that's bad, okay? They think that's against their Quran. All this crap you heard out of the news about the Taliban using opium money to fund their, that, that's not true. That's just a bald-faced lie by the U.S. media. The Taliban burned down the opium fields. 
the Northern Alliance are the bunch of criminals who are running Afghanistan now that Obama and Bush put in there. Okay? They were losing. The Taliban had them driven up north. Why? They were called the Northern Alliance. They burned down the poppy fields, killed all the farmers that were growing it who wouldn't stop, and chased these criminals to the north where they were about to be slaughtered until, of course, oh, my. Oh, no. The Taliban blew up the World Trade Center. Sure they did. They, they they planned that whole operation to defeat yeah, to defeat the air superiority national defense of the world's superpower in their spare time between conducting a civil war in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure they did. Why don't we look at the reality of this situation, folks? But you see, there's a lot of black money in heroin. Boy, the CIA sure can use that. They don't have to ask Congress for a dime. We got our own little operation going on. It ain't a little operation either. Lots of money in drugs, lots of money in white slavery, lots of money in sex slaves, lots of money in all that, and the CIA's got their dirty little stinking hands in all of it. Where do you think they get their money from? Do you really think they go to Congress and say, well, we need this many millions because we want to overthrow this government, that government, this government? Oh, sure, here you go. Really? I don't think so. So, you know, I wouldn't expect us to ever leave Afghanistan because the next president liar is going to get in there and say, oh, well, you know, they're just not ready and this and that and the other thing. But we got bigger problems right here, folks, because, you know, Afghanistan and heroin, that's all good and nice to talk about. And it's a real problem, but it's not as big a problem as we're fixing to have here. Because if you thought NAFTA and GATT really screwed you over, because you better you better know that, because it did. The reason you don't have any jobs that you can make a living off of, the reason why logging was killed and mill workers were shut down in the Northwest, steel workers shut down in the Midwest, mid, uh, Midwest, uh, well, Northwest for the logging. Why the textile mills all closed in the South? Yeah, why we produce nothing in this country anymore? Why we're, well, we're outsourcing our military equipment to be built by foreigners who are potentially our enemies? Why that all happened was NAFTA and GATT. GATT created the World Trade Organization, and NAFTA, well, you all know about that, NAFTA's the homeland. Yeah, NAFTA created the economic homeland. Now they got the new thing. That's right. Trans-Pacific Partnership. Obama announced in this year's State of the Union that he asked Congress to grant him fast-track authority. Fast-track authority means no debate. We're not going to talk about this. I've got a great idea. I've made deals with all these countries. Now I want the Senate to ratify this treaty. Let's go. Let's do it. Here you are. We're not going to talk about it. There's nothing to talk about. Take my word for it. Trust me. That's fast-track.
These treaties would override many of our laws, says Billy Engel, a member of the Electrical Workers, local in New York City. Right away, many labor rights and union rights can be totally discarded. And folks, I know a lot of you out there saying, I don't care about the unions, those bunch of dirtbag criminals are just as bad as the government. You're probably right. However, when they talk about union rights, they're talking about your rights, too, as a worker. Okay? Yeah, they might have rights of this and that and the other thing more than you, but they're also talking about your rights. This time, organized labor is united against the opposition. But you know what, folks? Organized labor is the reason NAFTA and GATT got passed. Yeah, because of the corrupt leadership of the unions. They said, oh, no, this is going to be great. Well, it hasn't been great. Since the passage of the North American Free Trade Agreement and a series of other agreements on the same model, jobs in one industry after another, manufacturing and call center jobs, for instance, have migrated to countries where companies can get away with paying lower wages. The deals are lose-lose. Not only they have destroyed hundreds of thousands of jobs in the U.S., but they've devastated the economies of the other countries involved, too. See, everybody thinks because of they screwed over the United States worker that, oh, the Mexican workers must be benefiting. No, they're not. The import of commodity crops from the United States and GMO commodity crops at that has pushed millions of subsistence farmers off their land in Mexico and Central America, driving many to migrate, guess where? The United States. For what? The slave wage load jobs. Yeah. Only ones who benefit from these agreements are the multinational corporations, folks. You know, the ones that own your government. Man, I'm telling you, this isn't going to end well. So I guess that's pretty much been the uh, been the theme for today's show is this isn't going to end well, folks. Because they're not going to stop. They're just escalating. They keep going and going and more and more and more. They want more and more, and they're going faster and faster because they know they're about to get caught. They know this thing's about to fall apart. The wheels are coming off this wagon, and they know it. They just want to get theirs first. They want to get their whole little world, the world dominion thing set up because that's, at the end of the day, we can call them communists. We can call them fascists. We can call them criminals. We can call them anything else. But at the end of the day, what they are are globalists. And if you believe in your state, you believe in your country, you believe in your culture, a globalist is your enemy. Keep that in mind. I'll be back again tonight. Coming up next is Financial Survival. Thanks for listening. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Suderstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. For Wednesday, March 25, 2015, Wendy Wilson will be joining us this afternoon in just a few short, right after the market report. Brief today. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Um, we have a little bit of a drop in uh, markets today, so we had a popped a little bit, but uh, not much, but uh, a little bit to the upside of uh, 220 at 11.96. Had a high uh, just a slightly over 1,200. Couldn't keep it. Uh, 11.96. Silver's up fractionally, up a penny. 17.06. Platinum was up seven at eleven forty seven along with palladium up four at seven hundred and sixty. US DX today was down point two four at ninety six ninety three. Crude oil was up one point four four at forty eight ninety five. And uh the paper market today, the Dow was down almost three hundred points. We were talking about three, four, five hundred point drops yesterday. Uh, the Dow is down 292 at 17,718. Job for the NASDAQ, you're looking at uh, almost 2.5% at 48.76, and the S&P was down 1.5%, down 30 at 2,061. 10-year yield popped back up, of course, at 1.92%. Euro is trading at 1.10%. So we had a little bit of action in the markets today. There were some big mergers. 
day. We can talk about that in a little bit. Germany was down a, almost about one and a quarter percent, uh, down 140 points. So seeing that uh, downtrend started in Europe last night, followed through to the states. Uh, the goods uh, report was out today, and we'll talk about that after. Wendy Wilson today of Apothecary Herbs. Good afternoon, Wendy. I guess Wendy's not here. I'm here. You're there. Uh, we can go ahead and until she uh, gets. Says we're on. having a little delay. All right. Well, let's go on until the she gets says on. We're having a little delay, so I'm not sure. On while we uh, wait for her to oh, get good. on board. Oh, Let me go ahead. Say. All right. You know, one thing before we even do that, you know, gold jumped a little over $2 today. A lot of people might not find that very impressive, but the truth of the matter is if gold went up $2 a day, that's $10 a week, that's over $500 a year. Now, $2 isn't a bad increase. Um, well, I would have liked to. Uh, I would have liked to have seen it to close up over 12. You know, it did hit 12. Maybe we'll get there tomorrow. But uh, I, I feel much comfortable uh, with gold hitting uh, over 12. So that's what I would have liked to have seen today. And I do. So what do you think will happen tomorrow? Terrible good. Re it, it depends on. Um, well, we can talk about this after the break. I believe Wendy is on the phone on the line right now. Good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon. Oh, Al. Hello, Wendy. Hey. Got for it. Well, we're going to talk about industry everywhere. Because um, you've seen TV ads, I'm sure everybody has, for uh, prescription drugs, and then they, they, they talk about the side effects of the drug, and then um, sometimes the side effects are worse than what you would take the drug for to be honest. And then if you don't change the channel, a lot of times there's a, an attorney ad right after that, and it's about that same drug saying, if you were harmed by this drug, contact our offices. You may be worse. You may have compensation, you know, do you? So um, I got me thinking about, you know, this whole process of how the pharmaceutical companies get drugs on the market. So if you go to the, web, the website of the FDA, they have some general guidelines that they list there on the approval process for prescription medications. So the FDA states they're really not involved in any of the clinical trials, but that but they are involved in the evaluation process after all the data is submitted to them on the medications, and they have this panel that conducts this review, and on the panel they have some experts. They have some physicians, they have statisticians, chemists, pharmacologists, and other scientific experts. So you would think that with a panel of experts like that, we would probably have very rare uh, death by drugs on the market, wouldn't you think? Well, that would be the theory. That would be the theory, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to say, I, I don't think the panel uh, either gets all the information that they should read. Something may be amiss, but um, the FDA does have a checklist when they do receive drug manufacturers, um, it, it goes something like this. They, they ask, does the drug affect the body as it is stated in the document? 
An example would be if they're reviewing a blood pressure medication, does it actually lower blood pressure? Then they look and check to see if the drug dosage and frequency on par with the use of the drug. They look and they review the side effects that are listed, what the pharmaceutical company cops to, and uh, they, they check to see if any of those side effects can be, quote, managed. And how do they manage them? By selling more drugs? Yeah, with another bed. Uh, then they look and they look and see how the body breaks down these chemicals because these are toxic drugs. So they look to see how the body handles the toxicity, if there's any accumulation effect of the toxicity. Then they check the drug's interactions with food, beverages, and other medications to try to identify what you should avoid. And lastly, they look at the overall rating of the drug's effectiveness for the market approval process. So they look to see if it's, you know, going to benefit, if it's going to make some money, you know, so forth and so on. So there's this two-tiered process, Al, Melody, at the FDA when it comes to their uh, drug approval process. Under the Prescription Drug User Free Act of 1992, they have a tier, a standard tier of approval process, and then they have a priority review process. So the drug that offers minor improvement tends to fall under the standard review process, and that could take about 10 months. Drugs that appear to offer major advances in or is a new treatment will fall under the priority review, and that takes about six months. They also have a fast-track accelerated approval option for the approval of breakthrough therapies or if a new drug has advantages over existing treatments. So advantages would be is their superior effectiveness of the drug, there's no serious side effects of the drug, statistically better uh, patient outcomes while they're using the drug, also reduced treatment toxicity and anticipation of public health need, otherwise known as pandemic, kind of fast-track those vaccines, you know what I mean? Yeah, we'll you'll have our vaccine for the swine flu. It should be ready by the following uh, spring. After we have the outbreak, they'll have the vaccine. Well, the, acceler well, the accelerated process takes 60 days. So, um, But the FDA, you know, you, you have to ask yourself, okay, so they go through all this for prescription drugs. What about over-the-counter and grandfathered medications? Those. Well, the FDA... Depends on how much money they can make. Well, no, they they can't handle it. Thousand over-the-counter products, they can't possibly review. Okay, the agency can't do it. Too many, they say. So therefore, the agency lumps them into categories that pertain to their active ingredients. For example, if a product has an analgesic or an antacid effect, they'll place that into the therapeutic category where there's 80 different classes of drugs. So for each class of drugs, there's a recipe book. Did you know this? There's a recipe book. The, the, the FDA calls it a monograph, okay? Which, it, do they make FDA brownies using these drugs? <laughs> you got Al. Okay, let's not go there. Anyway, moving along. It's a recipe book, also known as the monograph, lists the drug's approval approval ingredients for that particular over-the-counter medicine. So it lists the ingredients, the dose, the formulation, and, of course, all the labeling restrictions. So all that a manufacturer has to do is follow the recipe, and they can market this over-the-counter 
products without FDA pre-approval. FDA concludes that the monographs, the recipes are safe and effective, so if you're following that recipe, you're fine. So your but allergies... These, these monographs and uh -huh. these, these products have not actually been tested. The FDA is apparently, if I'm understanding you correctly, they are concluding, well, if you use this plus this plus this, everything should be fine. But right. they haven't actually tested it. Well, okay. and they don't they don't require any clinical testing. To, but they, you know, they're just assuming, okay, um, history has proven, I guess, grandfathered, if you will, these ingredients, and you're cool if you want to use those. So your allergy drugs, your pain relievers, your digestive and sleep aids, and any of the over-the-counter products are not closely monitored, and they would be only examined by the FDA if there was a problem in the market. Okay. They don't they don't examine them prior to entering the market. Okay. Yep. Okay. So um, according to the World Health Organization, 25% of the pharmaceutical drugs in the plants. I think it's more like two synthetic now. So take synthetic copycats of these plant chemicals because it lowers their manufacturing costs. About 80% of the population of Africa and Asia afford pharmaceuticals, for one thing, and they don't like the side effects. So you have some empirical history here that, you know, plants are the original medicine, not the alternative, okay? Yeah. Allopathic is the alternative. But, but I did notice something. I did notice something. Uh, the FDA has a list. Uh, on their, they have MedWatch forms, and they're forms 3500 and 3500A, and these these offer statistics on death by scientific medicine, basically. So in the United States, these statistics are posted based on these MedWatch forms, and these are incidences caused by taking a prescription medicine that has produced a serious outcome, which is life-threatening, which causes hospitalization causes disability or even death. And here's what I found. It spanned a 10-year um, period, okay, so from 2000 to 2010. I'll give you the 2000 numbers, and then I'll skip to the 2010. In 2000, there were almost 20,000 deaths and 153,000 uh, ir injuries due to prescription meds that were taken the way they were prescribed. Now we jump to 2010, the death rate jumps to 270,000. That's the 66. Its injuries went to over a million, so it was 77.5% by a prescription drug. I'm, I, it's, that's, pretty, that's pretty surprising for sure. Mm -hmm. How is it, what is the reason that, for that dramatic increase? Well, according to the reports, uh, they were published actually also in the 2006 issue of Pharmacotherapy, uh, that the mortality risk rate is jumping 20%, and, and when someone experiences an adverse reaction to the drug, it's usually when they're hospitalized, okay? So they said your, your, your risk actually increases 20% if you take the drug and you're in the hospital at the time that you take it. So apparently they pump you full of other drugs to, counter, to counteract your and it's probably not a really good outcome there. Uh, it may be that you're already taking some other drugs at the mm -hmm. hospital and there's some sort of a reaction yeah. between the new drug and the drugs you're already taking. Hard to say. Um, well, but that's, 
extremes. It's probably intolerable. It is inexcusable. Who well, is, is anyone in Congress or whatever doing anything about this? Well, actually, lawyers are on top of this, to be honest. In the 2010 Connecticut Law Review, they stated that injuries and deaths that are caused by these drugs seem to be growing. So lawyers are overseeing billion-dollar lawsuits on some of the most well-known drugs for arthritis and hearts and strokes, heart attacks. Fen-fen, the diet drug, caused heart damage. Uh, Prolipsid is a gastric we cause gastric problems. So if the drug companies, if they're paying out settlement, settlements, that's when they start to yank them off the market. Yeah. So, so I, I, I just think check and do their homework. Now, pain medications are a big federal register in 2009. There was considered this organ-specific warning on the acinaminophen drugs, your, your anti-inflammatory pain relievers. They documented that these drugs caused liver damage. There were 56,000 people who ended up in the ER from 1993 to 1999. That's like 10,000 people a year from taking these meds. And there was almost 500 deaths from taking it. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory meds aren't any better. According to the September issue of the 1997 Annals of Internal Medicine, these drugs caused over 7,000 deaths and 76,000 hospitalizations. So doctors, this is why doctors, they don't touch the pain meds, anti-steroidal, anti-inflammatory, they don't use them, and they don't use antidepressants or sleep aids because of the risks. They know that. And when you say they don't touch them, I think they don't, you mean they don't prescribe them. Is well, they don't use them. No, they prescribe them for patients, but they don't use them personally. They use something else. Uh, do as I say, not as I do. Huh? Yeah, yeah. the doctor. We, what have we got? We've got about 45 seconds left. Quick okay. question. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think about reports that the FDA may be corrupt insofar as at least some elements of the FDA take bribes to approve drugs that might not be approved under normal circumstances? True or false? Oh, I, I think there's corruption. I really do. I really do. Based not only on my own suspicions and what I'm reading here from statistics, I mean, you know, this uh, you, you also have to take you know, into consideration doctors are saying a lot of doctors have stepped out of the box and paid a heavy price, saying you know that you know the FDA aren't careful. It's full of not nice people, and they, yeah. they actually work for the pharmaceutical companies. It's a it's yep. a big medical cartel. So yeah, so I tell people you know look side effects. I don't see any death certificates. So uh, check out your herbs as a, as an option there. If you want to that, that was an opportunity for me to do another brownie joke, but we're going to have to let that go. Okay. Give folks, yes. give so, give folks some contact information, Wendy. Sure. And, uh, they can call for a free product catalog. The number is 866-PowerHerbs.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Wendy. That's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com at 866-229-3663. Give her a call. We're going to take a break for some commercial announcements, and, and Melody and I will be right back. Please stay tuned.
pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic, just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad spectrum immune boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Hello, Sam Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival Programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. All your gold and silver coin needs. What's next, Melody? Well, I ran a little special this morning. I was Beth Ann's program, the Common Sense Coalition, and I ran a little special. And I'll continue that through today's program with Discount Gold and Silver Financial Survival Program. And that was one one-tenth ounce gold eagle coin, 20 one-ounce silver eagles, Include shipping for five hundred and forty-five dollars. I mean, you could get you could get four of those packages, and it brings you a little over twenty fifteen. But uh, you can buy one or a hundred of these packages for five hundred and forty-five dollars. Uh, the price on the Silver Eagles, I mean, significant savings. It's it's as though you're buying a box of five hundred. They're really at a discounted rate, along with a one tenth ounce gold eagle coin. Give us a call at one eight hundred three seven five four one eight eight. One eight hundred three seven five forty one eighty eight, and brought to my attention. Uh, I've had several people 
call me and talk to me about uh, what HSBC was doing. There was, uh, you know, reports that they were going to close their gold bullion storage, their vaults where the gold for the uh, GLD ETF was stored. Um, that rumor was circulating around the Internet. And it was true. I mean, it was, I don't know, four or five years ago, the HSBC did close down their um, gold storage uh, for IRAs. I mean, that did happen uh, five years ago because we had to transfer a lot of that, uh, the IRA holders' gold out of there and place it somewhere else. That did happen. Uh, but this was an incorrect uh, report. Um, about the uh, closing their gold vaults. They are closing down their safety deposit box facilities in vaults in branches. Banks internationally closing boxes as not profitable and Cashless Society was part of the rumor and correct speculation that the, the HSBC move forcing gold clients to sell bullion. These are just the highlights of the uh, article as far as uh, they were rapidly and quietly closing gold vaults had to sell their gold. So uh, incorrect rumor floating around. So folks, you know, be careful when you come across this information. Um, we always try to verify it. And um, so move. Yes, it is strange. It's a strange little report in this regard. Insofar as they justify their closing their safety deposit boxes because they're not profitable, that's like saying I own a dozen rental homes and I've decided to tear them all to the ground because the rent is, is still at the same price that it was 20 years ago. What's to stop me from simply raising the rent on the houses? on the safety deposit boxes. It does seem like they have an ulterior motive. I mean, to me, if, if people were going to say nobody's using the safety deposit boxes anymore, all right, then it doesn't matter if you charge $500 a day for them or you charge $500 a decade, you're not going to get the payment if nobody's using the safety deposit boxes. But how much trouble can it be to raise the price of renting a safety deposit box? And to make them profitable, what are they going to do? Rip those out of the banks now? And they're not going to have safety deposit box anymore? Not just not sell them, but rip them out? You know, it, it's, it's a strange little story because it makes you wonder why are they canceling safety deposit boxes? Well, I mean, just like anything else with a lot of these uh, banks, I mean, you know, they're closing a lot of branches. They're closing a lot of services. You know, because people go online, and yes, safety deposit boxes are a little different. But you know, they're they're closing down services to um, people, uh, not to clients. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's more of a bother. I mean, how much money can you make off a safety deposit box? It's just more of a bother. Uh, probably the rent uh, in New York and so forth. I mean, it's fair, probably fairly significant. And um, so they just don't want to be bothered anymore. That's the way I would look at it. But. Well, I don't know how to look at it for sure, but it certainly it just strikes me as strange. Uh, you know, all right, fine. If you used to be able to make money $5 a month, all right, now you can't. All right, fine, raise it to 10 
Why shut them down? Raise it to 20, raise it to 50, raise it to whatever. And in theory, if the market will bear your additional price, now you're still making, you know, it's, it's like a lot of businesses. You have lost leaders. People advertise, you've got this for sale, and it's a heck of a deal. And, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can take advantage of that deal, but it's there to bring people in the door. If you have safety deposit boxes, people say, oh, yeah, I want to I want to do business with that bank because they have safety deposit boxes, and I really want one. You know, maybe I want two or three. Um, it's just odd, a bank that doesn't provide safety deposit boxes. It strikes me as a little bit strange. And, they, and I look at it, and I'm thinking to myself, what are these people really up to here? Uh, I do that because I have a suspicious mind, perhaps. Probably more suspicious than anyone, but you know, I mean, if, I mean, we're talking about an international bank. You know, the whole point, and, and you're right. There could be other, you know, it could be another, you know, something behind the scenes going on. But the whole point is, it was a rumor about. The, I get that. Yeah, that, I get was, that. that was the main. Just the rumors they were closing. Rumors. The vaults. They're yeah. not closing the not vaults, closing but they the are vault. closing the safety deposit boxes. boxes. Um, you know, it is. Still, one other thing. It is one of the biggest banks in the world. You would think that HSBC is doing business with a lot of globalists, a lot of international people who are generating their money on an international basis. These are the kinds of people who would want, you would think they want a safety deposit box to store their jewels, their stock, whatever it is. You think they have wealthy people that want this service, and yet they're saying, no, we're getting rid of that. So it's just something I'll keep an eye out for. We'll see if we hear more about that in the future. Maybe we can get a better idea of what's going on there. But it is a strange, it, strange if I was, story. If I was a person that had extreme wealth, the last place I'd want to store it in safety deposit box is New York City. So anyway, that would be the last place I'd want to have it. But... Anyway, um. here's an article from George Soros. Well, Bloomberg actually, but George. The headline is George Soros warns Greece is going down the drain. Now we're at the cusp. Billionaire George Soros tells Bloomberg TV in his uh, uh, in a recent interview, and the chances of Greece leaving the euro area are now 50/50, and the country could go down the drain. It's now a lose-lose game, and the best that can happen is actually muddling through. Greece is a long-festering problem that was mishandled from the beginning by all parties. Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras' government needs to persuade its creditors to sign off on a package of economic measures to free up long-withheld aid payments that will keep the country afloat. But if they don't do, there are alleged there reports out that Zipras and German Chancellor Merkel have recently reached an agreement where Greece has promised certain reforms. Germany will okay just giving give us more money and we promise to change our ways. How many you believe that? Now this is a little bit like lending more money to someone you know is a crack addict. Huh? And the crack addict, oh, no, no, I, I promise. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. You, you lend me another couple billion or 
however hundreds of million, lend me a little more money, and I promise, scouts of honor, no more crack for me. I'm I'm not I'm serious. I'm I'm quitting right now. I mean, whatever's going on here, everyone understands that Greece can't pay the existing debt. They talked about it. They, the term they used just a couple of months ago was extend and pretend. They extend the loans by pretending that Greece will be able to repay the loans, and it's important to do that. Why? Everybody knows Greece is not going to repay most of that debt. Some of it, yeah. Most of it, no. Why do they extend and pretend? and pretend that it can be paid. The reason is that as long as we pretend that the Greek bonds are still worth money, face value, then the creditors that are holding those bonds can keep them on the books and say, yes, we still have assets. Huh? We have X hundred billion dollars in assets, and they're signed off on by the government of Greece. We can pretend these are still valuable. But it's a little bit like Confederate money, holding Confederate money after the after the uh, Civil War. A lot of people held it, but the truth of the matter was, except as a collector's item, you know, the Confederate dollar. They may have held these things because the South will rise again, but it didn't. They may be holding Greek bonds in anticipation that Greece will rise again, but it's not going to happen in the foreseeable future. But in order to preserve the illusion that those pieces of paper are still valuable, we're going to pretend that Greece could pay these things off, and we'll pay them off. And the whole thing is nonsense. And it probably goes, it quite possibly goes to the idea of fractional reserve banking. It's my understanding that in Europe, fractional reserve banking is considerably the fraction that must be maintained in the vaults in order to justify lending money is is much less than it is here in the United States. It might be 30 to 1. I don't know if that's true or false. But it means that for every million dollars you've got in the vault, you can, in theory, lend $30 million. Well, Greece's bonds are in somebody's vaults. Some, some people's vaults, and they are quite probably being used as collateral to justify loans. And if the Greece and Greece has a hundred billion dollars in bonds that they've given to the different creditors, the creditors, in theory, might have loaned what thirty billion, a hundred billion. All right, so they've three trillion dollars in theory. I don't know, but they can multiply. 30 times that much to lend out to people. When, if Greece admits that, and the Europeans admit, <laughs> we're never going to, these aren't, these pieces, they're nothing but paper. We're never going to get paid ever. Then in theory, they may have to pull in the loans that were generated based on the Greek bonds. That can be multiple. Right? This is domino theory. This is if the one domino falls, 30 more dominoes are going to fall right behind it. And that's why they have to maintain the illusion that the first domino, the Greek bonds, got to maintain the illusion that these things are still valid. And at least that's my suspicion. So we're going to see the Greeks are going to hit the, they're going to hit the fan. This issue will hit the fan next month, if I understand correctly. April 20th. April 20th. They run out of cash. Uh, so what have we got? A little less than a month. 
four weeks maybe, three, four weeks, they run out of cash. Now, what do you think is going to happen, Ellen? Will the European creditors give Greece more money in in order to extend and pretend that their bonds have value, or will they finally just say, that's it, we can't go any further? We mean, of course. Well, they're they're going to have. No, they will. Yeah, I think they probably will. They will. Yeah. I mean, you know what? You know what I'd like to say to Grace: default again, move on. Yeah, I know. Move on. But they can't. I'm so worn out. They They got that domino effect going on with the fractional reserve. It's going to happen anyway. I know it's It's going to happen anyway. That's the truth. But nobody wants it to happen now. Everyone said, well, who knows, maybe we'll get lucky. If we just extend this a little bit further, another six months, another 90 days, whatever, we extend it, maybe a year, we could extend it for another year. Maybe we'll get lucky and something will break in our favor. I think Cyprus will will probably play along with their deal, too. If he is the real deal, going along with all these uh, arrangements and agreements uh, until he positions himself, I mean, we see his relationship grow with Russia, um, I mean, if, 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 and if he can change and, and force uh, with some sort of an agreement with Russia, you know, then you can start to see things fall apart. So that, to me, I think is the key. If he has the European Union, I think he'll take it. But... Um, you know, we'll see. They'll take any alternative. I mean, it's a drowning man grasping at straws. That's the analogy here. If they get their money from the Congo, it doesn't matter to them. Just give us the money so we can keep functioning. No, I think it does matter. Well, it doesn't uh, matter. I mean, you know, they're not going to take money, money from the Congo, but, matters. you know, they're you built. Russia's a little bit different than the Congo. And I, I think, uh, you know, because you've got that military force and everything else that comes with Russia. So, you know, there is. And the relationships between Russia and, and Europe and the U.S., it's a whole different ball game. But, you know. I get that, but the Greeks will take whatever money they can get, make whatever promises they have to make. And yeah, you've got to remember their background. I mean, they're all. The Greeks. You can't blame the Greeks. Everybody knows they're not going to pay off the existing debt. Every creditor in the world right now who might be able to lend Greece a reasonable amount of money to try to tide them over for at least a little while longer knows that odds are they're not going to be repaid however much they loan they loan to Greece. That can get repaid. So these people become fools. They are enablers. Again, they use that the the example of someone a crack addict. It's like being the guy who sells crack or provides crack to the addict. You become an enabler. That's all you're going to do. You're going to have more money. They're going to waste it. They're not going to repay it. What are we doing here? I, you know, there is a point in time where you can't just blame Greece because they said, well, Greece has been irresponsible. Greece isn't going to pay its debts. you got to blame the people. Look, you loan these people more money they could ever than they could ever hope to repay. Aren't we gotta beyond? Do it. got to be dumb to be. I and mean, it's not just a question of being dumb. There's a question of there's a point in time when your stupidity goes beyond just saying, oh, gee, I made a mistake, and it moves into the realm of malice. 
how stupid do you have to be? What are you doing here, this nation? They're going to have a very big problem in Greece before this is done. And it's been brought on, not just by irresponsible Greek government, that's part of it, not just by irresponsible Greek people, that's part of it, but also by irresponsible predators. So, oh, yeah, let's, let's let more money to the crack addict. You know, it'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll get the money, we'll make it. How different is that from the U.S.? No, no, it's just an example of what's going on here, and it's an illustration. Get to a point where the debt is too big to be repaid, and then what happens? Mike, of course, to face the reality of more commercial announcements. Because face right now, I don't even need a blindfold. I'm going to listen to the commercials. And hope you do too. And with Melody and I, we'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, talking about Greece and whether or not they're going to default on their loans. And one question we need to consider, one of the alternatives is that Greece, if they can't get support out of the European Union, to carry them and their extend and pretend program a while longer, they may try to get some support out of Russia. That could be. But one of the things we have to ask ourselves, does Russia really want to take any responsibility for Greece at this time. 
because Russia has enough problems with its own economic enough economic problems based on sanctions that are imposed by the United States government and so on. Are they really in a condition of well let's take let's take let's take care of Greece. It'll only cost us, I don't know, a few hundred billion dollars a year. That's all we can afford that. There's a political game. Russia would establish territorial presence within what was formerly the uh, the the European Union. There's something to be gained here. There's there's but I'm sure there are people in Russia that are saying, I don't know. We really want to take on that burden. Because you know it's just you're just gonna give money to Greece and Greece is not gonna pay it back. Russia get enough? It depends. It's one of those things. How much they have to give them? They give them fifty million dollars? Yeah, Russia can afford it. Five hundred billion, maybe not. And when does Greece finally hit a point that it is again self-supporting? It is able to make good on at least its new bonds. Is that going to happen? How long are they going to carry these old bonds? Another year, five years, twenty years, a hundred years? How long? Later, just like Melody said, they've got to default on the existing debt because they can't pay it. That's all. We have to face reality sooner or later, but European creditors don't want to face reality at this time. So, I don't know. Do you think Russia is going to move in, or they're not going to move in, or they're going to have second thoughts? Or sanctions continue, and so forth. You know, they might think of this as a way to, to strike back uh, somehow, some way, but. Uh, most vulnerable in this situation, Greece or the European Union? I think they're more vulnerable than Greece. In other words, if they default, officially default on on the Greek bonds and whatever, the real damage won't be to Greece, it'll be to the European Union, true? Well, I mean, it'll affect all of them. Hard to say who would be hurt yeah, most. Yeah, that's, that's... And the point is anyone... Ask the people point, of Greece... They would be hurt the most, but is there anyone who's not going to be hurt that's involved in in Europe, for example? Anyone over there will Greece is going to skate, European Union going to skate. Anyone who and my point is this: no matter how you do this, there's going to be a lot of pain and aggravation for a considerable number of people, not just in Greece but also in the European Union. You know, well, something that just crossed my mind, you know, we saw the, the euro crash, the dollar gets strong. Maybe they allowed the euro to crash uh, in, in anticipation of the Greeks defaulting. Maybe that was the whole scenario to begin with. It was all kind of coincided with, the, the, you know, the, the last episode of Greece crash. I don't know. That's not something... That's beyond my my pay grade to speculate on. Oh, well, lower currency creates inflation. Well, and I know they want inflation to basically stimulate, and, and, and to some degree they're having success with that. I've seen reports the European economy point. is jumping, and it may be that their attempts that to inflate have what, actually succeeded. And what does that do to their debt? Well, they, the euro becomes less valuable. 
allows people to pay off their debts with cheaper euros. I get that. So maybe but that was the... Is it enough to make a difference for Greece? Correct. I don't think it's enough to make a, I make uh-huh. a significant difference. Some difference, yes. Significant difference, probably not. But maybe it was enough. Here's, here's the lesson on this. Lesson is something I've harped on for several years. One man's debt is another man's asset. Fiat currency monetary system. If I borrow a billion dollars, I've got I I I have the advantage of using that money for a while, but someone else I owe a billion dollars, but someone else is holding a piece of paper with my signature on it says Al promises to repay one billion dollars. They're treating it as an asset. If I default on the debt bill, <laughs> you never guess what I said <laughs> all that money's gone and I'll never be able to pay back the bill. Guess what? The asset disappears. The debt is defaulted on, but the asset also disappears, and that's the danger in this debt-based monetary system. When it finally breaks down and says, gee, we can't pay the debt, it means that the correlative assets also have to be vaporized. They are rendered invalid. You know, they, they are no longer worth a nickel. Right? And that's what we're seeing here. If Greece just defaulted on its loan once upon a time, if we had a real monetary system and it was own was uh, secured by gold, bars of gold, right? and Greeks said, "Gee, we can't pay." Well, okay, then somebody else gets the gold, but the gold is still there. The gold doesn't disappear when the debt when we default on the debt. It may no longer be owned by Greece, but somebody's got the gold, and the economy, the general economy, is not damaged because the collateral, because the capital has disappeared and vaporized. But that's not true with our brave new fiat currency world. Somebody defaults on the debt. It also wipes out the correlative assets and the fractional reserve banking, maybe even more than the correlative uh, financial assets, which means, oh, we've got a terrible, terrible problem here. If Greece defaults, somebody's going to lose assets big time, and maybe more than that, you know, Domino effect. So, this is the kind of conundrum that may wind up facing here in this country. We too have debt far beyond our ability to repay. And sooner or later, we are going to find ourselves in circumstances similar to that of Greece. Insofar as somebody's going to have to come up and step up and tell the truth, say, guess what? We can't pay. How about that? We, we, we spent it all, and uh, or at least most of it, and we're not going to be able to repay the existing debt. What happens when we hit that moment? Will the world extend and pretend and keep lending us more money? In a sense, we've already hit that moment insofar as the Federal Reserve is the last entity, or at least it has been, that was willing to lend substantial funds to the United States government. There's others as well, but the Federal Reserve has been the primary entity that was purchasing U.S. bonds. They've stopped that for a while, but we'll watch and see how long before they have to start it again. Creditors have already said, look, you can't repay your bills. Why would we lend you more? You guys are like Greece, just another bunch of crack addicts, or we could say fiat monetary addicts. They're addicted to this fiat monetary system, and you can't handle it. So, from my perspective, when 
when will the United States government find itself in a, in a position that's officially similar to what we see in Greece right now? I don't know. Could be several years. Could be several months. Hard to say. But we're going to get there. Somebody's going to have to admit that the debt can't be paid. And when that happens, when the debt is canceled, so are the correlative assets and the fractional reserve banking. One domino knocks down nine or ten more. This is all goes to this business that we have been foolish by allowing our government to impose a debt-based monetary system here in the United States, debt-based monetary system throughout the world. It's all illusory. It's all crazy kind of madness where we sit back and go, oh, yeah, a piece of paper. Yeah, that's a payment. No, it's not. Promise to pay. That's all it is. Only promise to pay, and the promises are so thick that they can't all be kept. When it all blows up, it's going to be it's going to be a downturn to remember. When, when, when? Nobody knows, but we're certainly closer today than we were yesterday. What else, Melody? With you there, you know, in China, the manufacturing that slumped to the lowest. Uh, there was a um, guy by the name of Jack Ablin, who's the chief investment officer at the uh, private bank, and he said he thinks it's going to be tough for the markets to push higher. Major indexes reached records high, uh, record highs earlier this month, even though the analysts expect earnings to shrink in the first half of the year. Whole point, you know, and I don't pay much attention to chief investment officers from of a private bank, but he's admitting that uh, we're going to have, the markets are going to have a difficult time continuing to make these new highs, uh, certainly with the underlying economy that's not following the direction of the market. So he says at some point we're going to hit the intersection of that intersection uh, not going to be a a nice collision there because I believe reality will certainly shock. shock well, and all. In the end, it's just a way of saying the truth will out. Sooner or later, we have to deal with the truth. Government's betting we won't have to deal with it for another couple of decades, and reality is that maybe we're going to have to deal with it a whole lot sooner. Right? Maybe a month, a couple of years. I think one of the statements that you made, and I don't think it was, I think you were quoting when you said this, you said the problem is that the economy is not following the market's lead. Right? Now, do you see how stupid that is? It is not up to the economy to follow the market. The market, and that's the way the government thinks, however, if we can stimulate the market, the economy will follow. Again, this goes to that analogy, if it's too cold in your home, all you have to do is put a match under the, under the, the thermometer near, your, uh, near your, your thermostat, and it'll raise the apparent temperature, and then everybody will think it's warm, and they'll be comfortable. That's all you need is one match to warm the house. Well, it's just nonsense. It is not up to the economy to follow the markets. It's up to the markets to follow the economy. They're complaining about a disconnect. Why are the markets disconnected 
from the from reality. And the question is because the government has been artificially stimulating the market. They're stoned. That's our crack addict right there. They've been stoned, baby. This is you know I'm in Wall Street. They're all essentially doing crack, and the Federal Reserve and federal government are providing crack to Wall Street to impress the people that it's party time. The truth is there's a disconnect. They're partying on Wall Street, but they're partying with this artificial stimulant called quantitative easing one, two, and three, and soon probably four. That's what's getting them high, and the rest of the people are saying, hey, what about us? We're not partying. We're not having that good time. They say, oh, God, just you know, get the party, have some horns, and have a good time. How are we going to pay for them? Well, that's not our problem. But this disconnect is because the markets have been artificially elevated. And the reality has not followed. Evidence that the markets don't control the reality. They should reflect the reality. And when you see it from that perspective, you sit back and say, ooh, wait a second. If they have to reflect reality, then I guess they're going to shut down, aren't they? They're going to drop considerably in the foreseeable future. We'll talk more about the markets tomorrow. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Thanks for listening. Bye. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. With the shipping and the U.S. $149.99. Call 5 under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVR Salt at checkout and save $20. Ship free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men America's best 100 men will test today, but only three when the Green Beret. Everybody, welcome. It is Freedom Call. I'm your host. My name is Bo Greitz, and I want to say uh, hello to my daughter, Melody. It's coming up uh, her birthday pretty quick. She has been all around the world. And finally, uh, she has uh, come back to the USA. Hooray. And uh, Melody's my daughter, and she said, Dad had dinner with her last night. She said, I've been catching most of your shows. So that makes me feel really good, and that means I've got to be in my best form if uh, my daughter, you know, Melody, is uh, is listening. Melody is uh, not Melanie. You know, Melanie, I guess, was determined to be uh, the nicest sounding name in existence. Now, that's just what I saw. It's been a number of years ago. Uh, my daughter's name is Melody, and like a song, and 
Actually, her Chinese name is Mei, which means beautiful. That's also uh, the Chinese word for America. You know what the Chinese word for Russia is? It's uh, which is means hungry. So the of course the Chinese uh, word for China uh, is Chong, which means the center country, mean the center of the world. And so uh, I thought when I was naming uh, Melody uh, back in uh, 1973 at Fort Belvoir. Virginia, that uh, her first uh, name should be May, which is beautiful, and she's American, unlike Obama. And then uh, Hua is uh, the Chinese name for beautiful flowers, blooming flowers. And uh, so beautiful, blooming, and then Yin. Uh, Mei Huayin is the Chinese word for musical note. So melody, that's why uh, she's in uh, English and American, is melody, but uh, her Chinese name, which I think it's significant you know, that we understand uh, what uh, names are. And as you find in the Bible and as you find uh, elsewhere, as you change, your name changes. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, once uh, uh, Jimmy, and then as I got a little older, uh, people called me Jimbo. And then my name, uh, after I was a soldier, uh, just went to Bo. And uh, now there's some people that have names for me that I can't mention over the radio. But um, uh, my son, for example, uh, Michael, Terrell, Bo, right. Uh, Michael, of course, uh, in Chinese, we call him Bao Bao all the time, <laughs> which meant uh, it, it's, a, it's a word for a beautiful child. And uh, so when you repeat it, bow, bow, it means a younger, uh, beautiful child. And uh, then, you know, people started calling him Bobo because they didn't speak Chinese. And they thought, well, his dad's name is Bo, so we call that little guy uh, Bobo. <laughs> and then finally, uh, I mean, I don't know how many years we called him Bobo. And uh, finally... Uh, it got uh, down uh, to, uh, to Michael and Mike, and I think he's glad of that, to tell you uh, the truth. All right, just a little intro into the program. I always like to give you information that uh, I don't know whether it do you a lot of good, but if you're uh, thinking about uh, choosing names, then uh, in most, uh, in a lot of languages, the names have meanings, and I was just uh, kind of thrilled that Melody is listening and uh, that her name actually uh, has a, uh, her name is Melody, <laughs> Mei Hua Ying. All right, now, let me give you uh, important figures. 5,000 
951 is the total number of killed in action. So far, we don't know of any Americans that have been killed. In uh, our uh, latest venture into Islam, this is definitely a, a fourth crusade. You know, the third crusade was actually uh, led uh, by the lion-hearted king of England, and he lost. And uh, then Islam uh, just uh, divided up, and the United Nations had a lot to do with it, and it was, uh, for a long time, uh, run by Turkey. It was called the Ottoman Empire. And then after World War One, you see, it was not only the Heines, the Huns, the Germans, that uh, were part of World War One. We were also fighting the Turks. And uh, when the Turks were defeated, then uh, the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire, fell down, and the British assumed uh, overseership of uh, all of those uh, countries. And Great Britain has never made small of it being an empire. But these countries have, like Kenya, where uh, Obama, you know, I, I'm actually watching Obama live speaking to a group. This is just before his election. And he is telling the group, I am not an American. I am from Kenya. And, uh, wow, when I look at that and I look at a few other points of law, to actually be a natural-born American, if you get into the definition, it means that your parents need to be uh, American, and you need to be born uh, in this country. And uh, then you are, under the definition of natural born American, and it says in Article 2, Section 1 of our Constitution that in order to be eligible as a uh, president of the United States, you must be a natural born American. So when you look at Obama, gosh, you see where uh, his daddy, no question, uh, Obama Sr. was definitely born in Kenya, and uh, his mother uh, is an American, but uh, his daddy was a Kenyan, and then when his mother and dad were divorced, uh, she next married an Indonesian, in both cases a uh, Muslim, and so uh, Obama uh, went to live in Indonesia and actually was an Indonesian citizen. There was no dual citizenship in Indonesia. Obama went to school there. Uh, his school records uh, list him uh, as an Indonesian. So uh, that makes it just a little uh, more uh, confusing. And Obama did something that was interesting. He made a trip to Pakistan. And you've got to, uh, and this was at a time when uh, Americans, we weren't supposed to travel to Pakistan. But 
uh, does Obama have another uh, identity, another passport, as I have had uh, when I wanted to travel, uh, when I didn't want my name, Bo Grites, to be recognizable. And when you look at the history, I one of the, my target areas, I was an area specialist on East Africa and West Africa, and Kenya, I know because I went to the, uh, to the uh, Freedom Day, Uhuru, it's called in Swahili, uh, for Uganda, Kenya, and it used to be called Tanganyika. Uh, but uh, Kenya was, of course, a uh, British uh, province, and uh, in 1961, when Obama was born, uh, it was under Great Britain. And so uh, Obama, as he was born in Kenya, would not have actually been a Kenyan. And Obama doesn't say. He says, I was born in Kenya. And so uh, he would be a British uh, citizen. So it's uh, a little confusing and if Obama is going to run again for re-election, uh, we ought to make sure this next time. Wouldn't you think? Uh, because uh, we've seen people that have crashed the White House. We've seen streakers that have uh, run out on to the football field uh, during the Super Bowl, and even the Supreme Court. As a matter of fact, in 1973, uh, I used to... Uh, rush home uh, from the Pentagon and uh, just to see the news, to see what uh, rather famous area or people, personalities, uh, were struck during the day. Somebody, We had this thing about taking off our clothes and running naked and making security people uh, chase us. Well, uh, let's make sure that uh, we aren't hoodwinked. Uh, let's make sure that our president uh, is a constitutional president uh, rather than just a politically correct uh, president. Wouldn't you agree with that? And uh, instead of opening up a new front in Libya, I tell you, I am amazed. Uh, there was a poll taken uh, today, and the poll shows that the majority of Americans approve of the United States uh, being part of a martial effort. Not only is it a no-fly zone, but it is a, quote, uh, no-drive uh, zone for uh, Mark Gaddafi's military in Libya. Now, to make it a no-fly zone, it means that we have destroyed all of his aircraft. That's what's being reported uh, today by General Wesley Clark. It's also said that we have had to destroy all of the airfields, and we've had to destroy all of the air defense, even some of the air defense. We've been using uh, these extremely expensive $1.5 million a copy over a hundred of uh, these uh, Tomahawk missiles uh, to strike things like a truck with anti-aircraft on it. Unfortunately, you know, you're, or usually, 
uh, civilians that live in and around uh, airports and in and around uh, these air defense. Uh, they aren't set out in the countryside. Uh, they're usually there to defend cities and this kind of thing. So we have participated in this, and I personally do not think it is right. Uh, it is it is interesting that we are dropping bombs, shooting uh, a million dollar plus missiles, all at uh, at installations and human beings in Libya. It is interesting that uh, they are shooting back at us. Now we had an F-15 that went down. Uh, the military says that it was technical. I guess that means one of the black boxes went out and the pilots uh, ejected and were rescued, and uh, it didn't have anything to do with Gaddafi. But you never know what the truth is. Anyway, they are shooting back at us. They intend to shoot back at us, whether they hit us or not. Now, what would you call this? Well, there is a three-letter word, W-A-R. Uh, it is, I mean, you can, we, they call Korea a police action, for crying out loud. But uh, in Libya, uh, we are conducting warfare. There's no question about that. And so uh, how, I wonder, is the Constitution uh, skewed? I would use another word close to that, but um, I don't want to offend anyone. Spears, like hard language. The Constitution has been skewed because it's Congress that really needs to approve of all of our military action. And uh, in Libya, uh, we have the same, is it not a war in Iraq? Is it not a war in Afghanistan? And this, unless you are pulling a Bill Clinton, uh, when they said, uh, and he said, I did not have sex with that woman, and it all, and his perjury all came down to the definition of the word uh, the, I believe. So unless you are uh, trying to skew uh, a, you know, the English language, uh, you have to say it's war. If it's war, uh, our House of Representatives, our U.S. Senate, need to be a part of the decision-making process, not the U.N. Unless, of course, Obama, uh, as I, uh, it's very difficult for me to believe. But I saw Obama uh, last night in four different settings where he and his wife and others affirmed that Obama was not born in the United States. And so uh, this is important, friends. Anyway, I'm just bringing it out uh, because someday maybe we will care about the United States. Now, there's an interesting uh, statement. Uh, it is a uh, a mathematical, uh, sociological equation. In other words, mathematicians 
has put to cultural uh, information to project what is going to happen uh, in the future. And uh, they have had a meeting here in the United States, and they had determined that organized religions uh, will be extinct. That's the language used in nine specific nations in the not-too-distant future. And they have based this by going back over 100 years and comparing uh, what was uh, gathered uh, by sociologists and anthropologists uh, in those days as compared uh, to uh, 2009. And this is supposed to be updated now into 2010. And so uh, that's about as close as you can get uh, in currency. But the uh, countries that have been uh, said uh, that will no longer have organized religions, one of them surprised me very much, but Australia and Austria and Canada, uh, the Czech Republic, Finland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Switzerland, and Ireland. Now, I thought that Ireland uh, was at war with each other not that long ago uh, where it was the Protestants, uh, the Orange Men, uh, against the Irish Catholics in the north. Well, now these uh, anthropologists, these sociologists, uh, these mathematicians say that by the uh, way that uh, people in Ireland have answered the questions, are you a Christian? And, and more so, are you a Catholic? Are you a Protestant? Uh, in the census-type information that is taken, that Ireland is one of those, which doesn't mean that God goes away. Let me state uh, the, uh, the hypothesis. What they are saying is that their mathematical equation of these cultural uh, inputs equals, quote, organized religions extinct in nine nations in uh, basically the relative near near term. And then it names these uh, nine specific nations. Now what I, and so uh, what is happening? Uh, churches are losing uh, more and more influence. Now one thing that uh, is occurring is Islam, and uh, it was only a couple of years ago when uh, there were two uh, billion, not Muslim, but Christians uh, out of, and the world population at that time was like six billion, uh, and uh, there were two billion Christians, there was a somewhat less than a billion Muslims. Well, now we're looking at uh, 2010, 
figures that have been gathered uh, as a result of census in various parts of the world, uh, we are looking at one and a half, slightly more than one and a half billion Muslims and uh, less than two billion Christians. And so uh, the conclusion is that uh, Islam can be understood by the well-known fact in the United States that Islam is the fastest-growing religion. And right now, uh, there are about 5,000, I'm sorry, 5,600,000 Jews in America, and there are the same number of Muslims in America. And so uh, the Muslims have uh, made tremendous uh, gains. Let me go on with this uh, conclusion statement. Uh, The following are some observations on this phenomenon. And the phenomenon is that Islam is the fastest growing religion. Now remember, the United States was not one of the nine named where organized religion was going to be extinct. (laughs) But Canada, which is our neighbor to the north, uh, for those of you go to public school, uh, Canada is named. So let let me read you uh, what uh, is concluded here. Number one, Islam is the fastest growing religion in America. And how, where are they getting that from? Uh, They're actually getting from that from Hillary Rodden Clinton, uh, as printed in the New York Times. Now, secondly, Muslims, these are statements that have been made uh, offering as evidence. Muslims are the world's fastest growing group. This was in USA Today, uh, probably the most well-known newspaper in America now, uh, by the Populations Reference Bureau. Number three, Islam is the fastest growing religion in America as printed in Newsday and uh, by uh, Geraldine Baum, a Newsday religion reporter. Uh, Number four, Islam, the fastest growing religion in the United States by uh, Ari Goldman, of the New York Times. And here's the conclusion. The phenomenon indicates that Islam is a religion from God. It is unreasonable to think that so many Americans converted to Islam without careful consideration and deep contemplation before concluding that Islam is true. These Americans come from different classes, races, walks of life. They include scientists, professors, philosophers, journalists, as if that adds some credibility. I don't know that it does. But I think what you're seeing is 
probably are seeing uh, minority groups in America that are rushing uh, to uh, join the Islam, uh, jump on the Islam train. Why? Uh, because of all of the contrary things that Islam is currently doing. All right, now stay with American Voice Radio. I'll be right back with you. I'm going to give you some news that may help you to figure out things, so stay with us.
This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Frank 
Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a pretty wise political thinker. And he said in politics, uh, there aren't uh, any uh, things that just happen. I mean, this is just a spark. This is not one, the CIA buying a riot. Uh, who do you think wins in Libya? Who do you think wins in Yemen? Because you see, Yemen is uh, in just as big a bus. We're not bombing Yemen at this time, but Yemen's president has agreed to step down this year. Now, who do you suppose is going to benefit? Do you think maybe that uh, it will be people that are against the United States, like al-Qaeda has relocated in Yemen? Yeah, sure. In Yemen, which has never been for the United States, we give it money, we train their military, their the CIA is influenced, got their man in Yemen. But the point is, it's stable. Now, what do you have with anarchy? And I, when I watch Obama, he has made the choice. And I have said to you, over probably the 12 years that I've been on radio, I have said, tell me, what do you favor? Because I remember a time when uh, we were uh, fairly close, I mean, in America, that means maybe uh, 30% of the people were upset and actually looking toward uh, some uh, condition of anarchy. And remember the Michigan militia? The, the Michigan militia actually had a plan, thank God the FBI, uh, interceded, the first sergeant of the Michigan militia ratted out uh, the plan and the FBI moved in, but uh, they were going to attack the largest National Guard proving ground in the United States and uh, the largest actual winter testing ground of our armed forces. They were going to attack. There were young 18-year-old National Guardsmen that were, uh, and what you use uh, this area up there in Michigan for is what? Winter testing. It doesn't get much worse uh, than Michigan. And so we had a lot of Soviet stuff that we had captured or had been given to us uh, by Israel, a lot of it, because they, uh, most of these Arab countries were. Uh, driving Russian tanks and using Russian aircraft and artillery pieces and individual weapons uh, during the uh, Arab-Israeli war. So we got a lot of stuff from Israel. And we tested in the winter. We're going to be fighting this stuff again over and over. And so we need to know what the limitations and what the advantages may be under all weather conditions. Well, this, I think, is Fort Grayley. They were going, the Michigan militia were going to attack and, if needs be, use deadly force so they could destroy uh, these test vehicles so they wouldn't have to fight them in the streets. 
because a radio talk show host up there in Michigan, Mark from Michigan, had uh, spooked a lot of people. And those kind of things, I mean, when you look what Tim McVeigh did, Tim McVeigh was never part of the militia movement. But he did get in with some religious extremists at Elohim City, which is just between Tulsa and the border of Arkansas. Tulsa, Oklahoma is not far. And Elohim City had some really bad people in it. They were the ones that planned. If you haven't read those details, you need to read my book, My Brother's Keeper, because I give you the truth behind all of these things that all we've gotten is the media government version. But McVeigh had nothing to do with the militia, but yet when Oklahoma City was blown up in the federal building, America building, uh, there were a lot of children that were killed. And the media made it act like if you were a Christian, if you were a conservative, if you were a Republican, my God help you if you were part of the uh, militia movement or the unorganized militia, which is perfectly legal. But they made it look like you blew up uh, the federal building in Oklahoma City. And so uh, there have been times, and I was concerned I would see Americans who were angry you know, at government. But the question is, what would you have? If you want to get rid of Obama, what is going to take his place? A he, a she, or an it? Gosh, I mean, we know what the secession is. None of it looks good. <laughs> well, Palmer, i got to admit, the Speaker of the House, uh, who uh, follows uh, the Vice President, uh, looks a heck of a lot better uh, than Pelosi did. Anyway, let's get back to this religious thing, because the fact of organized religions becoming extinct uh, means, uh, to me, one of two things. It says clearly in the Bible, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God will put his word in the hearts of his people, so they won't need others to teach them or preach to them what God's word is, because it will be in their hearts. Now, I've thought when I read those passages, gosh, what does this mean about uh, our churches, our organized religion? When you look at organized religion in America, and you were, let's say it was like uh, the Emerald City, and uh, you've got the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Lion and Dorothy, and they are in seeing the wizard. What do you see when you part uh, the, uh, the curtain there at who is controlling things up on the screen? It's the IRS, friends. Now, before you scream, grab your throat, and uh, reach to tune off uh, the program, let me just prove it to you. 
when I think of how organized religion is supported, it is supported through uh, tithing, isn't it? In the Mormon church, it is uh, a uh, rule. If you want to have uh, a temple recommend, if you want to be a good Mormon, for example, then you uh, must show by income tax, uh, by other means, that you are tithing 10% of uh, what you make to the church. And so this makes the Mormon church uh, very rich out of uh, Salt Lake City. And uh, when you look at uh, other churches, and what is the key? It is that it's tax deductible. What would happen if all of a sudden none of your donations to any church would be able to come off your income tax? Do you think that the donations would fall? Oh, I think they'd fall, and a lot of the churches might fail. And that could be critical, couldn't it? And so the IRS controls what is called 501c3. Look up uh, that uh, regulation, 501c3, and it is charitable organizations. And it says specifically that those with 501c3 IRS status cannot violate any of the requirements of the IRS, meaning that you cannot uh, speak, write, uh, or uh, in other ways communicate uh, anti-abortion. You cannot uh, do the same uh, with uh, homosexuality or same-sex marriages. Now, if you do, the IRS can remove your 501c3. And uh, one time on the, the program, I had Rabbi Yaakov Spivak from New York City, who was the Orthodox chief rabbi and uh, the guy who does the Circle K. He puts the kosher uh, on all the food. That was one guy that, was, that did that. Yaakov, which means Jacob, Spivak. And uh, I asked him, how does it feel as an Orthodox rabbi to have to have state licenses for marriage and have the IRS basically dictate what you can and cannot say? And Yaakov Spivak on the air said, I hate it. Said, but there's nothing I can do about it because the Jewish consortium, when you get into, let's say, New York City, where there's more uh, Jews out of the 5,600,000, uh, most of them, the majority, are in New York City and, uh, and New Jersey. And so when you get in that area, there you have all kinds of different schisms of, of the Jewish religion. And they have a singular headquarters, though. And this headquarters has agreed with the IRS that if they have the tax deduction from the people who would donate, uh, then they will follow the 
501c3 IRS guidelines. He said, I hate it. I don't believe it comes from God, but there's nothing I can do about it because the head of the Jewish consortium, that headquarters has agreed to it. Let me give you just a couple of figures, and then I've got to get to important things. In uh, And this just gives you an idea. Uh, there's 311 million Americans. Now, uh, here is a statistic, the latest one I could find. Uh, it reflects the 2010 census. Uh, 280 million, 659,000 Christians. All right, now in Latin America, it's uh, 542 rounded off. Uh, million Christians. In Europe, it's 585,000 rounded off. In Asia, it's 345,000. In Africa, it's 483, I said, thousand millions. So all of these are millions. The, United, the North America is the smallest of these groups that, uh, you know, for for the number of Christians. And uh, the Roman Catholics, of course, had everything. Uh, the Roman Catholics in North America, 83 million, well, 84 million rounded off. In Latin America, it is uh, 474 million. In Europe, it's 276 million. In Asia, it's 137 million. And in Africa, it's uh, 164 million Roman Catholics. So if it wasn't for the Catholics, the Christians uh, would not have more than the Muslims. And uh, the Muslims, let me uh, look at that. There's, as I've told you, 5 million, uh, 600, I'll say uh, 5 million, 650 thousand Muslims and there in Jews there's five million six hundred and sixty eight thousand so just slightly more in America more Jews than Muslim but uh, not by many and uh, then when you look at Latin America a million eight hundred thousand uh, Muslims uh, you look in Europe you've got 40 million Muslims in Asia you've got a billion sixty six million Muslims, and in Africa, you got 408 million Muslims. And so you can see that uh, the Muslim religion is indeed outstripping uh, Christians, and you can see these anthropologists and mathematicians when they join together, and uh, they say that uh, organized religion will become extinct in these nine countries, and we look uh, Australia, Austria, Canada, Czech Republic, Finland, Ireland, Netherlands, New Zealand, Switzerland. Uh, to me, it's interesting because those are the countries that are also the least solvent. Ireland, Portugal, England, France, Germany. Uh, the most solvent are China, Saudi Arabia, and Russia. 
All right, let me give you some other statistics here that I think uh, you will need. Elizabeth Taylor is dead. She died today. She was 79 years old. Elizabeth Taylor had starred in 50 movies, and she had been awarded three Oscars. Now, uh, the polls show, as I've said, that uh, Americans approve of our attacks in Libya. During the break, I was uh, talking over news that is monitored very closely by Frank Stephan on multiple means. Frank owns and operates the American Voice Radio. And he said, Bo, here's a news flash. The coalition, the Libyan coalition, has fallen apart. Germany has just quit. And when I think of the people that are involved in this Libyan coalition, again we go back to those countries who are least solvent. And what countries disapproved? Well, China and Russia, but they didn't veto it. They could have, but they just disapproved. Well, they know it makes the United States look bad to be intervening, bombing, killing more Muslims. This is the Fourth Crusade as far as the Muslims are concerned, and are they far from being wrong? All right, and in Bahrain, uh, we have uh, a war going on, an insurgency, rebels, protesters, and when you look at it, you have Shiites that are the majority. Now, remember, these are the uh, Shiites is like Iran. They believe that you ought to have a theocracy, religious people heading the government uh, instead of uh, elected people. And they have a Sunni government. Now, the Sunni government, you know, that is the liberals of the Muslims. You've got basically two kinds of Muslims. The Shiites, which are the fundamentalists, they believe that uh, the Quran is the Constitution. They believe that the mullahs, they believe that the ayatollahs uh, should be running the actual government. Then you have uh, these other officials that support uh, the clergymen. Well, in Bahrain, you have a Sunni, a liberal uh, civil government over a Shiite majority. I'm telling you, none of these things are going to benefit the United States. We took Iraq because of the oil. Now oil is $105 for a 40-gallon of crude, and the prices are higher than ever. So it sure didn't do us much good. We took Afghanistan because of the opium. There was no opium under the Taliban. Now you know, I tell you all the time, 4,800 uh, tons of raw opium comes right out of this little tiny country, Afghanistan. 
And do you know the last thing I'll say to you concerns our foreign aid? By the way, our debt at the starting of the program, dollars. So we're $49 billion off the ceiling, and it goes up $4 billion a day. I'm not a prophet. I can just tell you that. Now, our foreign aid, we were talking Ron Paul had said, you stop the foreign aid and a couple of other twists, and you've got the balanced budget. Well, our foreign aid, do you know who gets most of the foreign aid? One-third of America's foreign aid goes to Israel and Egypt. Now, this year, 2010, and that's the latest, you know, that we got figures for. They don't even have a budget for 2011. 2010, Israel got three billion, hundred seventy-five million in foreign aid. Egypt got one billion, five hundred fifty million in foreign aid. Most of it in military armament. Remember what Ike said. Ike said. Watch out for the military-industrial complex. All right. Uh, I've got a, a list. I won't have time to read it to you, but it is a list of the uh, of those who benefit the most. I can, I can start. The top benefiting countries from our uh, foreign programs, one, Afghanistan. Uh, secondly, that's two. That's almost three billion. Secondly, is Pakistan. That's a billion and a half. Haiti, seven hundred and one million dollars going to Haiti. Israel has billions and billions of dollars. Kenya, well, why not? That's where Obama comes from. Five hundred million. The Sudan, what in the heck? Four hundred and sixty-three million. Jordan, three hundred and sixty-three million, and it goes on. Most of the Muslim countries. Interesting. All right, you've been listening to American Public Radio, Freedom, and uh, prayerfully, God willing, I'll be back with you tomorrow. Please stay tuned, right where you are. Of the green beret, silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three when the green beret train to live off nature's land, trained in combat and a hand, men who fight.
And uh, just to let you know, in case any of you haven't read the newspaper today, it's been approved by the Fraud and Drug Administration for Monsanto to make apples and potatoes. The apples will not go brown, and the potatoes can be cooked at the highest heat ever and will not form acrylamide. <laughs> You've got to love it, man. I tell you. Okay, here's the other one. Uh, I got an email from Pinocchio, Ikaka Anderson. He says to me, why don't we meet for coffee? I figure, okay. So I write back. I said, that would be really nice. I said, and when we meet for coffee, could you please bring the written documentation uh, telling me about the rail thing that you said, you know, that it has to be steel on steel, otherwise they take the money back. I don't hear a word back, and I get a, 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 an email from one of his assistants with one word, dingbat. Well, I don't know if she was talking about me or talking about him. So here's what you got to do. You got to send him an email, Anderson at honolulu.gov and say, you're the one who said it. Why can't you back it up with the written verification? What's so hard about that? I mean, I, I don't, I, anyway. So that, you, you gotta do that. Ianderson at honolulu.gov, please. It's the only way to make this guy know that there's people out there that really care about not getting screwed. Now for some good news, you, you all know of the smoothie place, Lonnie Kai Juice. They're, they're all over the place. There's one in Kahala. There's one on um, um, Alamoana down near Cook Street. They're in Kailua. Well, anyway, there's this uh, really nice woman that makes these yummy cookies, man, and they're called Lava Crisp. They, they are so so good, nice flavor, real soft, real good ingredients, vegan. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's something that you should try. So you go to Lani Kai Juice, any one of them, and you buy the Lava Crisp. It's really, really, really cool. Okay, so I want to talk about health care reform legislation. And what's happening is that all of a sudden, it's like everybody's talking about health care reform, from, from people like Walmart to the Republican majority in the, in, in, the, in the House and the Senate. It's like everyone, business, government, the public, they recognize that our health care system, it sucks, and it needs to be fixed. But so far, nobody in any position of power has offered a plan that will actually make us healthier and prevent disease. Now, there's a lot, there's lots of so-called reform schemes that are being tossed around, but when you take a closer look, what you're going to find is that they're all financial shell games that pass the buck on to anyone who pays for a disease population. So our alleged healthcare industry is really a disease management industry. 
and it's based on maximizing profits while keeping the American people in a state of chronic degenerative disease while pushing drugs and surgery and other treatments that have nothing to do with addressing the cause of poor health in the first place. Nobody teaches disease prevention, and nobody in power has a plan for actually making us healthier. So what we need is genuine health care reform legislation that essentially eliminates the sick care industry, which is conventional medicine, and starts giving us the information and the resources that we need to prevent disease in the first place. And then since any real progress in healthcare legislation is nothing but a pipe dream because there's too, too way too many jobs and way too many investors that are tied up in the continued diseasification of the American people to expect any real reform, I thought that I would add my two cents, okay? So America has become a disease economy that needs to keep the disease racket running just to post decent economic gains. And there ain't no politician who wants to stay in office will dare recommend that Americans should actually be taught how to stay healthy and prevent disease because a healthy population would devastate conventional medicine, the cancer industry, the drug companies, and the healthcare jobs. So I've got some issues that Congress should pass, but they wouldn't. And why wouldn't they? Because too many powerful corporations and influential nonprofit organizations depend upon diseases like cancer, diabetes, heart disease for their continued ex existence, right? So you got to teach the incredible benefits of a natural food, vegetarian diet and lifestyle in the public schools. You have to ban aspartame, water fluoridation, and mercury fillings. You have to end the fraud and drug administration corruption and radically reform that criminal agency. You have to require open source publication of all clinical drug trials, even the negative results. You have to ban direct-to-consumer drug advertising. You have to stop the junk food and the soda advertising to the little kids. You've got to overhaul the national dietary guidelines to benefit consumers, not big business. You have to ban the use of the known cancer-causing additives in the food supply. You have to end the censorship for nutritional supplement manufacturers. You have to require the food manufacturers to list the acrylamides, the pesticides, the heavy metal content, and the GMOs. You have to outlaw the cancer-causing chemicals and the fragrances in the personal care products. You have to launch public service ad campaigns that teach consumers how to tell the difference between healthy versus unhealthy food and grocery products. You have to end the pharmaceutical industries. FDA enforced drug monopoly, and you have to end the patent protection for gene seeds and medicines. And why is there a better chance of a blizzard in Honolulu than these measures ever being allowed to pass? 
because the profit-minded medical industry would lose billions and hundreds of thousands of people who depend upon the continuation of disease would be out of a job. Making people healthier would be devastating to the economy in the short term. Then you got the corrupt politicians and the government regulators that run the country who want to maintain the status quo of keeping the public in the state of continued disease with no cures available so that all those businesses and all those organizations that count on the continuation of degenerative disease don't have to downsize. Do not ever think that the disease epidemics sweeping our nation don't have solutions. We already know how to prevent and cure cancer and diabetes and heart disease and depression and ADD and ADHD and autism and most other degenerative diseases. The reason they are not prevented and cured it's because it is not in the interest of those in power to have a healthy population. Most of the laws on the books today were designed and pushed by the corporations so they can serve the interests of the corporate stockholders. And it's not in the interest of these powerful corporations to see a healthy population avoiding disease. So you have to understand that we are intentionally kept in the state of disease because that is what produces the maximum profits for the corporations that own this country. And once you realize this, you will understand that 99% of the real problem with health care is exactly that. It's not about who pays or how much they pay or what kind of discounts can be negotiated. It's about ending the conspiracy to keep us sick. So when it comes to health care, do not expect any legislative miracles from any political party. Even a massive switch to socialized medicine, assuming it could happen, is still useless unless we start teaching disease prevention. So unless you actually prevent disease and fundamentally improve the health of the people, no structure of health care coverage will save us from a near certain future, which is a population trapped in a system of disease proliferation that will ultimately cause the collapse of the U.S. economy and the end of America as we know it. Of course, you can always race for the cure if you're really stupid enough to think that running around in circles and wearing pink and raising money for the big pharmaceutical industries via a corrupt nonprofit organization is going to solve the problem. Without question, the healthiest people in the United States are those that operate outside the health care system. Health care reform doesn't matter to them because they've already reformed their own health by taking control of their health and putting it back in their hands. They've made informed choices about food, 
medicine and exercise, and rarely they will ever see a doctor, and they're skeptical, and they're informed, and they're healthy consumers. I mean, it's a nice bandwagon to be on. It just takes a little effort, some determination, and the desire to not give your money to people that will only treat your symptoms with drugs and surgery. Okay, so that being said, I am going to teach you how to give yourself cancer in five easy steps. And you want to take notes on this, seriously, because throughout the years, so many people have asked me, how do you get this disease and how do you get that disease? But no one has ever asked me how to get cancer. So I thought that I would supply all the information you would need to get cancer, be it breast cancer, be it colon cancer, be it prostate cancer, or even leukemia. So if you follow the simple instructions that I'm about to give you, you can give yourself almost any form of cancer desirable. And if you pursue these strategies to their fullest potential, Mike, you can end up with several different forms of cancer all at once. So let's get started and learn how to give yourself cancer, okay? So if you're aiming for a raging case of cancer, the first thing you've got to do is start consuming food ingredients that actually promote cancer. And one of the most powerful cancer-promoting food ingredients of all time is called sodium nitrate. Sodium nitrate is an ingredient that is added to virtually all packaged lunch meat products, including hot dogs, pepperoni, ham, salami, turkey, and all the other lunch meats and similar products. You can find it in bacon. You can find it in sausages. You can find it in so many breakfast meats. And it list, it's listed right on the ingredient labels of all those foods. So in order to find sodium nitrate, all you got to do is walk around the supermarket, read the ingredient labels of the different packaged meat products, and purchase only those products that contain it. Then you've got to consume them on a frequent basis, and before long, you will achieve your goal and you will greatly increase your odds of being diagnosed with cancer. Then there's other ingredients that are suspected as well. Those include hydrogenated oils, aspartame, saccharin, artificial flavors, artificial colors, MSG, and GMOs, just to name a few. So a diet that is high in refined carbohydrates has been clinically shown to increase your odds of being diagnosed with cancer. So be sure to get plenty of those foods in your pro-cancer diet. That means that you've got to scarf down on the white bread and the sweetened breakfast 
cereals and the white fluffy pancakes and the candy bars and the granola and the cookies and the crackers and the malasadas and the sweets of all time. The next thing you do to give yourself cancer is one of the most obvious. Take up the smoking habit. Seriously, the more you smoke, the more likely you are to get lung cancer, especially if you're eating the cancer-causing foods and the ingredients that I just mentioned. And by smoking, you will be able to multiply the carcinogenic effect of everything else in your life. And before long, you will succeed in your goal of being diagnosed with cancer. Now, you want to move things more a little bit more quickly? Stay outside and make sure you use plenty of sunscreen, okay? Now, you can stay out of the sunlight. Yes, that's one way. But if you go in the sun, make sure you put plenty of sunblock and sunscreen on anytime you go outside. And what happens is that this will prevent the natural sunlight from touching your skin. And if you can't afford to buy, you know, sunscreen and stuff like that, go get an umbrella or wear a hazmat suit or put on rain gear and cover yourself up. Now, how will this give you cancer? Well, we know that natural sunlight is a powerful prevention for cancer. And people who get plenty of natural sunlight have a reduced risk of being diagnosed with prostate cancer, breast cancer, and so many other disorders that aren't cancer-related, like osteoporosis and mental depression. <clears throat> By staying out of the sun or using sunblock and sunscreen, every time you're under the sun, you can prevent your body from preventing cancer with each passing day. And if you find it difficult to avoid the sun, get a night shift job where you work all night and sleep all day. This is hugely successful for pro-cancer strategy. Another thing you can do, absolutely avoid all physical exercise. Because it turns out that moving your body helps you prevent cancer. So part of the reason is that body movement moves lymph fluid around. And this is an important function of your immune system that fights the cancerous cells. So if you stop or refrain from all bodily movement, you will hamper your body's ability to fight off cancer, increasing your odds of being diagnosed with this chronic disease. Now, there's one thing you got to keep in mind, okay, in all of this. Everybody's got cancer right now. I mean, there's cancerous cells in the human body of every person who's living and breathing. Seriously. All you have to do to get diagnosed with cancer is to make sure that your immune system is sufficiently suppressed so that your body can't take care 
of the cancerous cells on a regular basis. In other words, if you destroy your immune system function through poor nutrition, nutrient depletion, smoking, lack of sunlight, lack of physical exercise, your body won't be able to do its job of cleaning up the cancerous cells around the body, and as a result, you will achieve cancer becoming a full-blown disease in no time. In fact, all of these strategies for giving yourself cancer have one thing in common, the suppression of your natural immune system. Now, if you've been following along and don't have cancer yet from doing everything that I just mentioned and you want to increase your odds even more, the best thing you can do, the very best, is go see your doctor and tell him you want chemotherapy and radiation therapy. So you go to an oncologist and you tell him you think you have cancer and they will find some reason to accommodate you and put you on chemotherapy and radiation therapy. And these therapies do such an incredible job of destroying the human immune system that you might find yourself experiencing multiple cases of cancer at various sites throughout your body in the following months and years. Now, chemotherapy is perhaps the most effective method known to modern science for destroying the human immune system other than working at Chernobyl or Fukushima during a nuclear incident. So if you're looking to contact cancer as quickly as possible, make sure that you get chemotherapy into your life as early as you can. And when you combine the strategies, you would be able to give yourself cancer without much effort on your part and without having to wait too long. I mean, look, it would be a shame to die from natural causes and not have the opportunity to invest in the research and development efforts of the pharmaceutical companies who peddle the anti-cancer drugs. So right now you're probably asking me, what, am, what the hell am I talking about? How can I tell people to give themselves an answer? Cancer. And the answer is because virtually all Americans are following that plan right now. They're giving themselves cancer step by step by using precisely the detailed plan that I've outlined. And then when they're suddenly diagnosed with cancer, they have this look on their face and they say, oh, my God, why do I have cancer? And the answer is because they've been following this plan that I've outlined. All the foods they've eaten, their lifestyle choices, the lack of exercise, the lack of sunlight, the smoking habits, the reliance on chemotherapy and radiation and Western medical procedures has accelerated their cancer and put them in the position they're in today. All I've done is describe the plan that most Americans are already following. This is the pro-cancer plan that is actually promoted 
by the brand name food manufacturers, the pharmaceutical companies, and just about the entire conventional medical system. How many doctors are still screaming to people to avoid sunlight like it was the plague? Practically all of them. It's almost as if the entire medical community actually wanted the entire population to get cancer. And sadly, the entire anti-cancer campaign of conventional medicine seems to be limited to three words. Don't smoke tobacco. Of course, most individuals aren't really interested in contracting cancer. They would rather prevent cancer or reverse cancer. So let me ask you a question. Now, after learning how to give yourself cancer and learning the process for avoiding, it's pretty straightforward, right? Don't do any of the things that I mentioned. I mean, really, do you think that you should avoid smoking? Do you think that you should get plenty of sunlight? Do you think that you should get outstanding nutrition? Do you think that you should avoid all the food ingredients that are known to promote cancer, like the sodium nitrite, the hydrogenated oils, the refined carbohydrates, the chemical additives? Do you think you should avoid chemotherapy since it's the most powerful way we know of to destroy the immune system, leaving you more vulnerable to cancer? Hey, look, all I've done is to give you information in a unique way to get a point across. That if you don't want to have cancer, get off the cancer plan and get on a plan that actually prevents this horrible, terrible, outrageous disease. So if you, if you really want to get cancer, really and truly, I'm serious, really and truly want to get cancer, do not, under any circumstances, take organic sulfur crystals. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't want to do that because that releases oxygen, and the cancer cells can't live in oxygen. So that's the first thing you've got to avoid. The second thing you have to avoid is the bee pollen. Oh, my God, the bee pollen? All the B vitamins, all the probiotics, all the antioxidants, all the cancer pre prevention, all the cancer prevention uh, particles in the bee pollen, the fact that it just helps to boost your immune system, no, you don't go anywhere near that. That will defeat your purpose. And then, of course, the Shakeology, and the zeal with, if you combine those 72 superfoods that build your immune system, you do not want to go anywhere near those four items. Why would you want to have oxygen that's killing your cancer cells? Why would you want to have three incredible foods that give you all the B vitamins, that give you 72 superfoods, that give you all the antioxidants, that give you all the probiotics, and that will keep you healthy. No, 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 no. You stay away 
This will defeat your whole purpose. It will defeat your whole purpose, but it will enable your doctor to laugh all the way to the bank. And that's how it is. So be careful. If you want to get cancer, man, there's easy ways to go. Now, I, I, okay, was I was I being a little sarcastic here? <laughs> I'm never sarcastic. Are you kidding me? So I want to get a little serious for a minute. And I know there's people out there that have uh, problems like heart disease. Do you, you do know that heart disease is the number one killer in civilized nations with evidence showing that the incidence of heart disease is directly related to abnormal dietary habits through the standard American diet. Wherever people live on a diet high in refined carbohydrates, animal fats, high blood pressure, arteriosclerosis, arthrosclerosis, angina, and other degenerative heart changes occur most frequently. There is a lot of confusion that exists about the role of animal fats as one of the causes of heart disease. Until the early 70s, it was a commonly accepted assumption that excess consumption of the saturated fats found in flesh and eggs and dairy products were the main cause of these illnesses. But that view could never explain why traditional Eskimos or other tribal people who ate large amounts of animal fats did not exhibit an increased incidence of heart disease. Yet, most doctors stuck to their beliefs and repeated the flesh heart mantra regularly. So it may not be totally correct, but at least it's simple and easy to chant without having to go into too much time-consuming detail. The problem with, with much of the past research has been the traditional tendency to try, wherever possible, to find a single, simple something that will explain a particular disease. What they failed to understand was that heart disease, like most degenerative diseases for that matter, is a result of a total lifestyle and not a simple dietary excess or deficiency. So when you look at the true causes of degenerative heart disease, you have to keep in mind that people as individuals respond to causes differently. But the one factor that stands out as the major cause of heart disease is diet. The saturated fats 
which are commonly found in flesh foods, are a problem. This has been long suspected, and unfortunately the situation is getting worse and not better. The flesh products contain a very high percentage of complicated fats that cause a rise in blood cholesterol, which has been associated with the formation of atherosclerotic plaques on the arterial walls. So when we equate heart disease with diet, the standard American diet is higher in animal fats and animal proteins and cholesterol than in many populations with less heart disease. It's a given that cannot be denied. Things have changed. Domestic animals have a much higher percentage of saturated fat than wild animals due to different diets. The domesticated animals are fed genetically modified grains, the feathers and the blood and the remains of the dead, dying, diseased, and decayed animals unfit for human consumption. They also contain Monsanto's growth hormones, which are used by various cattle and poultry industries to fatten their stock artificially. Then cow's milk, ignoring the fact that it was not designed by nature for humans and the fact that it needs to be brought to a boil three times before ingestion is now pasteurized, which basically kills everything in it, and then homogenized, which makes the fat particles more easily digested, and then is full of hormones and antibiotics and pus from the cows with the other infections, making it a joy to ingest, and yet we feed this to infants, resulting in cases of arthrosclerosis by the age of five. And we wonder why heart disease, which was once a disease of middle age, is now hitting people in their 20s. So the cholesterol story is not a simple one. And although multiple studies prove that an elevated blood cholesterol level is definitely associated with an increased risk of heart disease, it cannot be said that from this date that dietary cholesterol is the single most important factor causing the increased blood cholesterol. In fact, a modest increase in dietary cholesterol has been shown to give no significant rise in blood cholesterol levels. Now, while it's true that excessive cholesterol in the diet will affect blood cholesterol levels, of way more importance to the total blood picture is the body's ability to form cholesterol within the body from other non-fat sources, such as protein. And in support of the observation that vegetarians, especially vegans in general, 
have lower cholesterol levels than those that eat flesh, it has been found that certain amino acids like histidine, arginine, lysine, found in highest concentration in fresh pro and flesh products are capable of being converted to cholesterol within the body. Caller, I'll get to you in a minute. Cholesterol is also a component on the platelet cell membrane, and as the blood cholesterol rises, so does platelet cholesterol. With this comes the tendency for the platelet to stick to the cell wall. And once the platelet sticks to an artery wall, it releases chemicals that cause a narrowing of the blood vessels, restricting the blood flow to the heart. And there's been numerous research that's helped to clarify many of these unanswered questions about the diet relationship to heart disease. But a significant finding was when cholesterol was allowed to go rancid, heart disease always manifested, indicating that the rancid oil factors were the primary factor. Most blood cholesterol is made within the body, and this in turn depends upon the amount and kind of protein eaten. The amount and kind of fat eaten and the levels of certain vitamins, minerals, and fatty acids, as well as stress, alcohol consumption, exercise level, and the interrelationship of all the previously mentioned causative factors. So again, heart disease is not caused by a single factor. Then, saturated fats, although central to the increase of heart disease, do not work in isolation in the diet. Refined carbohydrates, and specifically sugar, are known to increase fat levels in the blood. And this combination of sugar or refined carbohydrates taken with saturated fat seems to cause the highest of all increases of cholesterol and triglycerides in the blood. And this combination of foods is extremely common in the modern diet from early childhood on. Caller, I'll be with you in a minute. So take, for example, a typical milkshake, sugar in milk, or a hamburger, or a Coke or Pepsi. You got flesh, you got refined white flour on a bun, and sugar. So while a saturated fat consumption has increased only about 10 to 15 percent in the last 135 years, the increase in refined carbohydrates and sugar has gone up a an amazing 700%. And this increase in the consumption of refined carbohydrates, especially sugar, is the single most important factor affecting a rise in blood triglycerides. So the bottom line, high sucrose consumption links to coronary heart disease. And now, with Monsanto creating genetically modified sugar, it hits the fan big time. And as a side note, and to play it safe, your sweeteners should be composed of only stevia, honey, or maple syrup. Otherwise, you'll never know until, you know, a GMO labeling bill can be passed. Yeah, I would take a break. Oh, yeah. 
Hello. You're on the air. Oh, boy, thank goodness. <laughs> what? What are you? Anybody listening? I am, but, you know, what about the rest? <laughs> anyway, yeah. I thought I called you because I, I thought maybe you're going to bring this topic up. Yeah. Did you hear this news this week about, uh, what you call, a department was uh, reported infestation with rats and et cetera? Oh, I didn't see and, that. And, and guess what? It, what department it was? I give up. Hey, hey, oh, do you know why? Because you always... Got to be the health department. Exactly. <laughs> and guess what? You know, all the uh, employees complaining, right? I don't blame them, crying out loud. There's disease, you know. There's really? people with all sickness. Really? Germs. Skin kind of problem, you name it. Okay. No, what they do, you don't, you don't know no, no. They reported it. Wait. And guess what? Uh. They said, oh, because we lack of money, we can't do anything about it. Well, right, right. I don't know. No, but, I, but I, there was people at the health department that are catching the rats, and then they grind them up. And they make hamburgers out of them, and they feed them back to the people as a bonus. You know, you gotta, you gotta feel sorry for the workers going out loud. Anyway, and who's in charge? Supposed to be in charge. Well, who's in charge? charge. Nobody. Yeah. Well, thank God that there's people like you, you know, in charge. Thank you. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because, uh, yeah, I'm listening. Uh Let's see what Jess again. Well, I'm trying to listen too. I know. Oh, definitely. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Thanks, Jenny, you have a good weekend. You Take too. Care. Hello. Bye-bye. One more. Hello. Hey. Yes, you know, I'm talking about the cancer and all that. You know, you, you know that, um, you know, they built that $140 million cancer research center. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's hundreds of centers around this country spending um, billions of dollars trying to find a cure for cancer. Yeah, it's crazy, and, huh? Oh, yeah, but, you know, the, the, um, us taxpayers are paying $8 million a year on a mortgage payment for that facility, and they seem to have run out of money. So they're begging, oh, please, we need more money so we can, we can, yeah, we can find, find a cure for heart disease. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and cancer and everything, you know. But, of course, they'll, they'll never find a cure for cancer. It's, they did. Like, it's just like the hypocrisy of that organization, Autism Speaks, when they were trying to find uh, a cure for autism. And I told them about the organic sulfur because of the oxygen that'll pass through the blood-brain barrier, and it'll kill, you know, the 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 cells, the chemical cells in the brain to restore everything back to normal. And and the woman who was the CEO emailed me. She said that's really good, but I don't think it's going to work for us. And I wrote back and I said. Do you accept contributions from the pharmaceutical industry? <laughs> and her answer was, not that much. <laughs> not that much. <laughs> Just about 90%. <laughs> and, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Why? Yeah. So I, so here we've got all these cancer centers that are going to yeah. help fight cancer, and I, I just gave out the recipe of getting cancer. <laughs> and, and if people will follow that recipe, then they can go and flock and run and drive and get tour buses to go to the cancer city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy it is. I'm trying to help people here. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, that, 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 yeah. it, 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 it's absurd. How, how can, 
I mean, we're, we're spending. But you, you know what that was? It, the whole idea of the Kansas City is to bring business here, to bring absolutely jobs, to bring um, you know, um, you know. But to bring it so the state can get more revenue, they figured. Really? Yeah. And then look what Monsanto is doing for us. In oh, yeah. today's newspaper, they're coming out with apples that will not go brown, <laughs> and they're coming out with a potato that you could cook at a million degrees. And it will not develop acrylamide. <laughs> oh, McDonald's. After all, because, let's face it, God has no clue what he's doing, and what he gave us is inferior compared to what Monsanto can do. Oh, my. And the my. more that we realize that, the more that we will offer our obeisances to Monsanto. Yeah, but hey, listen, yeah, sure, we're making Monsanto giving us jobs, but jobs, jobs, jobs. Yeah, look at all those people that are working there. Yeah, and you can't tell me people that are becoming um, you know, I went a up, hazard for them. You know, there, when we used to testify for labeling here, which, of course, nobody wants labeling, no politician wants labeling because then he won't get any kickbacks from Monsanto. Okay. So I remember there was an employee from Monsanto there, and I, I said, hi, do you work for Monsanto? And, and, and the person, you know, I, 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 I went to Monsanto. And I said, can I ask what your name is? She said, yeah, um, I'm, I, I'm not sure what my name is. <laughs> I said, you're not sure? How did you get, how did you get the job? Well, I, 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 I was, I was, I was homeless. And they gave me a job as an executive. So I, I, I don't, I can't remember my name, though. Uh, by the way, how much money does um, um, Governor E.E. get for, <laughs> I for, for Monsanto? Yeah, I guess uh, we'll find out in time. Yeah, well, I know, I know um, Abercrombie was getting like $50,000, $60,000. He got a lot of money. Uh, um, and still, uh, uh, you know, what's his uh, name? Uh, Russell uh, Cocobun? You remember you remember, uh, that? You remember that guy? The, 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 the guy the, who's the head of the Department of Agriculture? Agriculture, yeah, yeah. When he was a senator, he got twenty grand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, why, you know, that's that's why every time he sees someone from Monsanto, he drops his pants and he bends over. It's so, so corrupt. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you got to anyway, learn. You got to learn. Anyway. Yeah, well, keep on. Keep yeah, on, man, you know, see you on the man. radio. Uh, you know what? The, yeah. the, the, the truth finally went out, I think. You know, okay. I, I think you know, the average person kind of catches on to the fraud that, you know, they understand. Well, the truth will win as long as it wears a bulletproof vest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's a problem, too. But by the way, I'm from the, F, the FBI, um, F, what do you call that, Food and, and, and Fraud Administration? Oh, fraud and Drug the Administration. FBI Division, we, we need to um, um, take you in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're coming to take me away. Yeah. <laughs> You've been revealing the truth. <laughs> the truth. We, we can't have any seeking truth. No, no, no.
refined, heat-treated, and partially hydrogenated. So what happens is the heat-treated oils undergo a transformation from the chemically normal form to the more stable but abnormal trans or rancid form. And this transform, not normally found in those oils if cold-pressed or unheated, is more reactive with oxidants, producing rancidity byproducts that cause an elevation in the circulation of possible mutant substances which can initiate damage to the arterial walls equating to the production of atherosclerotic plaque buildup with the plaque being the factor associated with coronary heart disease. So the partially hydrogenated unsaturated oils like margarine also are a factor. So when people converted from butter to margarine thinking to reduce their total dietary cholesterol intake, it had an opposite effect. The hydrogenated oils are high in trans forms of fatty acids, which inhibits a liver enzyme responsible for converting cholesterol into bile acids. And it's the bile acids that transport cholesterol out of the body. So guess what? If cholesterol is not converted to bile, it accumulates in the blood, which is the exact opposite of the desired result. So fats, being water-soluble, must be carried in the blood by the lipoprotein, which comes in various shapes and sizes. And the LDL, the low-density lipoproteins, are large cholesterol-laden molecules. And at high levels in the blood, there are a significant factor associated with the increased risk of coronary heart disease. Then the HDL, the high-density lipoproteins, are smaller molecules which more, with more protein and less cholesterol and triglycerides. And when these are found in high levels in the blood, there is a reduced risk of heart disease. Plus, the HDLs help to transport the cholesterol from the blood to the liver where it can be converted into bile and then removed from the body. So with this discovery that these lipoproteins can be predators or predictors of the risk of heart disease, came a new area of research showing how individual foods and vitamins and minerals affect the interrelationship of these factors as well as cholesterol and triglycerides, giving us a better insight as to their relative effectiveness. Then vitamin C helps increase the HDL level and lowers the LDL level, protecting against coronary heart disease. And it reduces high elevations of blood cholesterol by activating the conversion of cholesterol into bile salts. Then B-complex, which is lost in the refining process of starches and essential in the metabolism of carbohydrates, is known to keep cholesterol from collecting in plaque. And the B pollen contains all the essential B vitamins, the essential amino acids. I mean, see, nature, God, gives you what you need. 
vitamin E, which is stripped away with the germ of grains and lost in the refining of oils, is essential for a healthy heart. Why? It helps to dissolve blood clots. It dilates the blood vessels. It conserves oxygen so the heart can work less. And as an antioxidant, it prevents fatty acids from becoming toxic in the body. Then there's lecithin, which contains choline of the vitamin B complex group and is essential for the proper use of fat and cholesterol in the body. And the use of lecithin significantly lowers cholesterol levels. But there's a caution. Lecithin comes from soy. And 90 to 95% of all soy is GMO. So if you want to get lecithin, make sure to get non-GMO or organic lecithin. And if you wonder why Hershey's voted against Proposition 37 in California, it's because lecithin is in their chocolate. The essential fatty acids, which are rich in omega-3s, decrease the platelet adhesion, increase the bleeding time, and reduce the risk of heart disease because they reduce blood cholesterol and increase the HDLs. The essential fatty acids are also in bee pollen. Bran fiber reduces blood cholesterol and triglycerides, increases the HDL, lowers the LDL, and helps to prevent the recycling of bile from the bowel back to the liver, which signals a reduction of cholesterol conversion to bile, causing a blood cholesterol increase. Lactobacillus lowers cholesterol levels by normalizing bowel ecology, preventing cholesterol production from within the system. Lactobacillus is found in superfoods. Cultured milk products, yogurt, kefir, buttermilk, if you use them daily, can lower your blood cholesterol 5 to 6%. Whether the weight gain suits you is entirely up to you. Garlic and onions lower blood cholesterol and reduce platelet adhesiveness, as well as reducing triglycerides and increasing HDLs. And the extracts are more powerful. Soy protein. Soy protein lowers blood cholesterol, but don't get GMO soy. A second major cause of heart disease is lack of demanding exercise. Okay, so general physical activity levels have decreased, right, as a result of laziness. Then heart disease increased. So demanding physical exercise, the kind that gets the blood flowing and the heart pumping, clears the artery of any early deposits and prevents atherosclerosis and high blood pressure. Do you understand? So to be effective... The heart rate must rise to the point of breathlessness for at least five minutes a day. Stress, coffee, cigarettes, alcohol, obesity are also contributing factors. And all these increase cholesterol. 
and glucose and triglyceride levels and narrow your arteries. So along with eating a plant-based diet consisting of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, whole seeds like quinoa and buckwheat, plant proteins like legumes, nuts, seeds, tofu, organic, instead of flesh proteins, your fats will be healthy fats. So what kind of foods protect against heart disease? Kale, full of flavonoids, omega-3s, vitamin K, they're anti-inflammatory. Omega-3s, flaxseeds, flaxseed oil, walnuts, sea vegetables like dulse, arami, nori, wakami, and kombu. Pomegranates are high in antioxidants and have anti-inflammatory effects and reduce the buildup of plaque. Nuts, they lower cholesterol and they're good sources of garlic, slows the hardening of the arteries and helps to lower blood pressure. Lentils, lowers homocysteine levels and increases blood flow and oxygen. Berries, rich in fiber, antioxidants, full of beta carotene, carotenoids, vitamin C, folate, magnesium, potassium, whole grains like brown rice, millet, barley, loaded with fiber. Whole seeds, quinoa, buckwheat, not only loaded with fiber, but much shorter cooking time. Well, there it is, guys. Why heart disease manifests and how to reverse it. The only problem is trying to get the intelligence to override the dictates to the tongue, which has developed a particular attraction for a certain things. But a change in diet is way better than a trip to the doctor or the hospital and a life of endless toxic synthetic drugs, heart surgery, or premature death. That's it, guys, in a nutshell. <laughs> so how do you do that? Sulfur releases oxygen. B polyps, all the amino acids, all the BS, B vitamins, probiotics, antioxidants, things that reduce hunger cravings, zeal and shakeology, 72 superfoods that will build and strengthen your immune system, keep you well, make it so that you will not get sick and you will be healthy. And those two things that are hanging down below your waist, those two long things that you put shoes on, they're called legs. And if you put one in front of the other, it's called walking. And if you put one in front of the other a little faster, you will feel your heart rate get up. And when your heart rate gets up, you start becoming healthy. It's not rocket science. Not at all. And don't forget, send an email, Anderson at Honolulu.gov. Why can't you put your money where your mouth is? Let's see it in writing. Anyone can talk a good story, but let's back it up with writing. Don't forget, I Anderson, Honolulu.gov. This is Cash. This was Health Talk. Catch you all next week. Hello. shown that
that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Girls, I'm Alfred Adisk, and this is the American Independence Hour. My co-host is Frank Stefan. He'll be joining us shortly. I'm going to do my little dance here and uh, tell people that I'm broadcasting from within the borders of the state of Texas, a member state of the Perpetual Union, styled the United States of America. And I am a man made in God's image, as per Genesis 1, 26 through 28, who is endowed by his creator with certain unalienable rights, as per the Declaration of Independence of July 4th, the year of our Lord, 1776. And I make this disclaimer at the beginning of the program, and also the program is only intended for people who are also men and women made in God's image. If others are listening to the program, well, I can't stop you from listening, but it is my intention to broadcast only to those listeners who are men and women made in God's image. Now, if you've listened to this program in the past, you visited my blog, you understand my rationale for making these disclaimers. And if you haven't visited the program in the past and haven't heard them and revisited my blog or heard the program, 
you're going to probably say there's something strange about that guy, and you might be right. right? Now, <clears throat> the reason I do this is because it appears that the government is operating a system of fictitious jurisdictions and fixed, fictitious persons. And this is significant because if you're a fiction or if you're representing a fiction, there are no God-given unalienable rights involved. These are the rights that under our Declaration of Independence, the governments were supposed to secure. And it expressly says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. And what I'm trying to do is establish that if I'm going to court, I'm going as a man made in God's image, which I'm absolutely entitled to do under the First Amendment of the Constitution, which gives me freedom of religion, and my religion is in large measure based on the principle that we are, that each of us are made in God's image. All right, so I get that. I'm man made in God's image. And I'm going to claim that I am within the borders of a state of the union which also makes a big difference as opposed to being a territory. In a state of the union, I could be a sovereign. Within a territory, the sovereign is the Congress and Senate of the United States. They are the sovereigns in what works out to be a functioning aristocracy. A limited group of people, about 535 of them sitting in Washington, can do virtually anything they want to do in this, in, within the territories under Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, the Constitution of the United States, which gives them exclusive legislative jurisdiction in the territories and districts in Washington, D.C. I'm trying to say, oh, no, I'm within one of the states of the Union. Now, a lot of people sit back and say, oh, that's just crazy talk. You're not one of these crazy patriots, and you've got your aluminum hat on. Your tinfoil hat is on too tight. Well, they might be right. But it's not important, right? If I'm making a mistake, that's not important because it doesn't hurt me. The only thing the government can do if I make these claims is they have to say, oh, you idiot, of course you're in a state of the union. Of course you're made in God's image. We know that. Okay, now I'm good to go. As soon as they admit that I am operating within a state of the union, as soon as they admit that I'm endowed by my creator with certain unalienable rights, I am good to go. You understand? I'll be happy to go into any court they want, or at least any judicial court that they want me to go into. On the other hand, if I make this disclaimer and they start to shuck and jive and dance around it and try to outbox me with some sharp verbiage, I will understand that they are operating in some sort of a territory, some sort of a fictional jurisdiction that is not a state of the union. I will understand that they are trying to presume that I am or I at least represent a fictional person that has no God-given unalienable rights, and I guarantee you I'm going to set my heels. There's only two things they can do once I bring this, ar this argument to bear that I can see. One, they tell me, your argument's stupid, everything you're saying is true, you don't need to give us all the rest, good. Or they are going to implicitly say your argument is strong, and we have to presume that you are operating in a capacity other than that of a man made in God's image, endowed by his creator with certain unalienable rights, in which case <clears throat> I am going, as I said, I'm going to set my heels and I'm going to argue every single point I possibly can to reestablish my standing as a man made in God's image. So my risk in making these disclaimers at the, at the beginning of the program is minimal. Yes, I may sound like a fool. I get that. 
I may be a fool. I get that. Maybe not. Even if I'm a fool, they've got to say, in order to say that I'm a fool, they're going to have to admit I'm within a state of the union. They're going to have to admit that I'm a man endowed by my creator with certain unalienable rights. If they make those admissions, bang. It doesn't mean I'm guaranteed to win. I, I don't sit there. I don't, I don't use these disclaimers in or as some sort of a get-out-of-jail-free card. But these disclaimers, in my opinion, are potentially powerful. And they serve my interests, and so I do them at the beginning of the program. And I do them to put the government on notice. Anybody paying attention to this program who's from the government? I don't know if they are or they aren't. Um, I would I'd hope, I hope somebody from the CIA or the National Security, I hope somebody's recording this program. We can't rely I on am. Frank. I yeah, am. I know you are. And that's what it is. We can't rely on Frank to be the only one who's recording the program. So maybe the CIA, maybe the National Security Agency, who knows, military intelligence, I don't know. Maybe they're recording too. For post- posterity, right? Maybe for the laugh track, maybe for the laugh track on... Uh, radio bloopers or whatever, but who knows. So first thing we want to talk about tonight, didn't have it in mind when I put when I sent out the little notice of tonight's radio program. But it just crossed my mind. Maybe a half hour, forty five minutes ago. Uh, observing the difference between the date of birth and the date of creation. Hey Al. Yeah. Before we get going, uh we we've got a caller. Oh, my God. Yeah, Charlie from Colorado, uh, and she'd like to pose a question to you. I know, Charlie. I'll bet I know who this is. I bet I've talked. Is this is Charlie? Is this a lady? It is Charlie in Colorado. We've talked. Yeah, we've talked. I remember. It's been a year or so, yeah. I guess, since we talked. But, uh, yeah, if your name, if you said this was Joan from Colorado, <laughs> I wouldn't have known. But Charlie from Colorado, yeah, I think I, I remember that. What can I do uh, for you? I, think you? I think you probably know at least uh, a dozen of us, right? No, I think there's only one, and I doubt that you know any others either. Exactly. Charlie? Well, I, I, I pray all is well for you, Alfred. Uh, you know, you, I tell people this all the time. None of us know yeah. for sure until we see St. Peter. You may think you're doing well, and you see St. Peter and says, boy, did you ever mess up? You're in big trouble. Or you might have thought, he's doing so good. And you see St. Peter and no, nice job, kid. You know, you really did a good job. It's speculation until we get to that, until we are, well, until we see St. Peter or the Messiah or whoever. But go ahead, Charlie. What is, what is, well, you know, we came across each other because I was doing a little um, research and I came across the 1906 Food, um, Pure Food Act of 1906. And that's how I really came across you. Okay. And since then, um, I basically have gone back over that in, in, in trying to understand the, the private side and understanding the, um, the category that the corporation has put the men and the women into all right. Okay. Now, I'm not sure I know what you mean by the private side. I'm sorry. I'm not sure that I know what you mean by the private side exactly, but we're talking about the categorizing the people as animals. True? Right. Correct. Which, to me, that is the public. I mean, you, you've, um, I, I know you've done some discussion on this, 
um, the encephalungus side um, of this, the public in, in, in the flesh and blood. Okay, and trying to separate the two out. Okay, and it, 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 again, from what I'm understanding, that there really isn't any um, anyone that really has gone on to the private successfully. I don't know. They become quiet. Because I don't know that anyone has applied this successfully other than myself in the sense that we were able to defeat an attempted prosecution by the Attorney General of the State of Texas where they've invested a lot of time and money and they dropped it when we presented the argument that we are men and, men and, men and women made in God's image and endowed by a creator and so on. And the presumption that we are animals is an act of genocide. Huh? And the government didn't want to deal with that, so they said, eh, why don't you guys just get out of here? So we did. That was a victory, but it wasn't one that gets recorded in the history books where they say, ha-ha. You want a victory. They just stopped. That's all. Didn't even say why. Yeah. So have other well, people again, succeeded? I don't know how many people have even tried. My volume is um, audio coming in is really, really very loud. Okay. A little bit better. <laughs> okay. You're increasing your volume? Mine is all the way up, and it's on speaker. No, okay. I, I'm increasing it. Okay, I'm not. I have nothing to do okay. with the volume. I deny, I deny all that will be part of my disclaimer. <laughs> I deny having anything to do with the volume of your speakers. But, all right, let's see okay, if we can. Okay, you're a little bit better, Alfred. Thank you. <laughs> let's see if we can actually get to, get to something meaningful here. What is it that you are, how is it you think I might be able to help? Well, you know, again, I, 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 I've taken all the components that you've thrown out there um, where you've had mild successes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still, to me, it hinges in on what they consider a public um, entity. Which I think is, it hinges on what you consider yourself to be also. It's kind of like there has to be an agreement or at least not a dispute. If you walk in the door and you don't argue that you're a woman made a woman made in God's image and so on, they're going to presume, okay, here comes more of the livestock. That's my belief. I can't prove it. That's just my belief on it. But it requires your consent. Once you raise this issue, especially if you raise this early, before you ever get to court, this is not an issue. Ideally, you don't want to raise this when you get – if you're going to court, you're already in big trouble, my opinion. You've got to find a way to stop these people before you get to court unless you are a plaintiff. If you're a defendant, court is not a place to be. Okay, very good point, Alfred. Okay, because, again, if you're, if you're spinning in um, that particular place, it's, it's as though you have to bring your stuff, you know, your matters, your issues, as a plaintiff to, yeah. to redress. Well, then you counterclaim. If you can counterclaim, for me, that's the holy grail right now, and I'm not sure that I know how to do that, but I have no doubt that that is big point. Can you, they come after you, you come after them. Right? You've got to counterclaim on these. Don't just play defendant. Defendants lose about 98% of the time. There's no point. 99.82. <laughs> I understand. 
even if you settle out of court, right? You reach yeah. a settlement, say, yay, they dropped the charges against me. You still lost in the sense that you lost energy, you lost time, you may have lost money that you, that you didn't make while you were holding down your job or that you paid an attorney. Defendants always lose something. Even if they aren't found guilty, they still lose. Only ones who can win are plaintiffs. Going to court, be a plaintiff. Right? May also be the defendant, but be a plaintiff. Well, your 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 matter is well taken, uh, or rather, your uh, position is well taken, uh, because again, when you uh, presented the, uh, you know, again, your situation, um, again, you came in, I believe, as a plaintiff. No, I didn't. I didn't have enough sense to know how to do that. We were just fortunate that we advanced an argument that somebody didn't want to deal with. Somebody just said, no, I don't want to face that in court. We didn't go into okay, again. If I had it to do again, I would make it my business. I don't care if it's a traffic ticket. I want a way to sue these people every single time. That is my fundamental goal, and I can't tell you that I exactly know how to do it. <laughs> but I intend <laughs> No more, no more, Mr. Nice Guy. Meaning, no more just playing straight defendant. You come at me if you're close enough to be going to be on my throat. I'm close enough to be yours. That's the way I look at it. Now we'll find out because most of these things they're just trying to sue traffic tickets. They're going to try to collect five hundred dollars out of me for a traffic ticket, just hypothetically. I'm going to try to sue them for fifty grand. All right, that's not a good game. I mean, from the government's point of view, they don't want to be the guy who's coming in. So, well, we'd like the jury. We'd like you to force this guy to give us five hundred dollars. <laughs> well, I'm saying, jury, I'd like you to force the municipality to give me fifty thousand. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I really like to return back to the whole thing. I know that I have found in Colorado um, that they really, when they use um, the, the, the people of the state of Colorado. As a plaintiff, and they're they're not coming in as a real party of interest, and that's similar in all states. Whatever yeah. font they use. How do you explain that? And and well, I mean, the real party of interest goes under federal um, regulations, but again, eventually the um, the plaintiff has to be identified. Let's just suppose you're a plaintiff in a lawsuit. Correct. What if you're not the real party in interest when you sue? What is your what is your standing? How do you relate to the case as plaintiff? Um, again, unless you have a power of attorney or um, basically you have no standing. I think what I think you're on the right track and I don't know what I can't give you. I'm just telling you what my speculation is. They presume, I believe, that you represent the real party in interest. I'm inclined to believe that the all uppercase name identifies a person other than me, some sort of a fictional entity. And as a fiction, it does not have any God given unalienable rights. And if I'm prepared to stand up and represent it in court, I can make it appear. What happens if I say I don't represent? I'm here at arm's length. I don't make any. I'm not. I'm not representing anybody. Sign all your paperwork at arm's length. I don't represent anyone. It's just me, just a flesh and blood man, just little old me. You understand? I'm not no, I understand your arm's length. I've I've studied that and 
I, I've read your articles, and they're well written as all of your articles. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. And it get, gets back to the origin of the birth certificate. Yep. And it We're, gets back to reclaiming the birth certificate. Why do you think the birth certificate is important? Because this is actually what part of what we're going to, we plan to, I plan to talk about for the first segment. Full faith and credit. Now, let's let's take that question. It's time for a break for some commercials. Let's discuss that question and the significance of the birth certificate when we return. I'm Alfred Adams. This is the American Independence Hour. I'm here with Frank Steffen, and I'm here with Charlie from Colorado.
probably giving her more answers than she's looking for. But what what we started to talk about at the end of the first segment of the program, we were talking about the birth certificate. Now, Charlie sees significance in the birth certificate, and I do too, but I doubt that the significance Charlie sees and the significance I see, I doubt that I doubt that we exactly agree. We're perhaps close, perhaps similar, but I doubt that we're exactly, you know, exactly the same. And as I was talking to Frank during the break, we don't have to be identical. There's more than one way to skin the cat. You understand? There's more than one strategy that might work. And it's like martial arts. If you're a good boxer, you can beat an average karate guy. If you're a good boxer, you can beat the average MMA guy, right? But you've got to be good at your particular strategy. can't just do somebody else's strategy. You've got to have one of your own, and you've got to be able to back it up. If you've got a good strategy, you can make it work. So let's see. What do you got, Charlie? Well, I, 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 I've been returning back to the Minnesota uh, Rule 220. Um, and my sister stated um, I got a certified copy of that um, Rule 220. And basically, it's, 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 it's a little bit confusing, which is most of their, um, their magic. Um, but essentially, when you get back to the full faith and credit under Article 4 and in, in Rule 44 of right. um, FRCP, if, the, if you come of the age of majority and you're reclaiming your estate at that point and you're basically holding true title authenticated by the Department of State. True title to what? Not, true title to what? Title, title to the estate, the fictitious estate that's been created. All right, for the sake of argument, I'm going to guess that what you're talking about right now is you're saying right. that the all uppercase name, Charlie from Colorado, if that were an all uppercase, it would be identifying an estate, and that would be the name on the birth certificate. Now, of course, that's not the name on your birth certificate. I get that. But not if it's all uppercase, that's the estate, and you believe that that estate can as created by the deck, by the by the birth certificate, there's some money associated with that, and you want to lay hands on. True. Well, you know, it's more um, complex than just lay hands on the value. No. It's laying hands on um, who and what that estate is. Well, it's, it's, a thing, it's that, an interesting dance because. You have to first off separate yourself from that estate in the sense that you say, I am not the estate. I'm not representing the estate, but I do have a right to make a claim on that estate. Okay. Well, you're a third party. Correct. Okay. Right. So. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just. So. You see the birth certificate as significant as an estate that owns property. It's not your property, but but you want, but you believe you're entitled to that property, and you want to make a claim through the birth certificate. Anything that was created through that estate, correct? Okay. 
Um, so are you having much luck advancing that strategy, or are you still kind of confused about it, or where do you stand? I, I'm standing right now at this point where I have not done any filings, but I've gone so far as to get the authentication three times. And what do you mean by the authentication three times? Um, basically going to taking the original birth certificate from the county of birth to okay. the Secretary of State of that state. Yeah. And okay, and then going back to the Department of State. Where it's recognized as full face and credit. Okay. So what you're saying, I get what you're saying now. Your birth certificate was in some other state, let's say Illinois for the sake of argument, and yes. you're trying to get the government of, of Colorado to recognize that Illinois birth certificate. And you're having it authenticated by the Secretary of State of Illinois, so you can go back and say under full faith and credit, you got to recognize this birth certificate, and this is what? It is or it is not you? What? Is it a certificate of your birth, or is this a certificate of the birth of some fiction? Well, it's, it's essentially at that point, you're you're stating that the party named in that um, said birth um, is the same as is one of the owners. You're basically saying you're one of the owners. You're the one of the owners of the estate. Correct. How do you make that claim? What is the basis for you claiming to be well, an owner of that estate? Copy. And then you can present your original birth certificate. Which is? When you say your original birth certificate, do you mean one issued by the state of Illinois and just in this hypothetical, or do you mean a birth certificate that was perhaps issued by the hospital? Right, the hospital. Okay. Before it was filed and registered. Yep, okay. And became state property. I understand. I understand what you're trying to do. the, the, The surgery starts. Legally. The what? A surgery. Putting <laughs> out the enzymes. Yeah, I understand that. Okay. My position on that, do you know, first off, do you know anyone who's tried this strategy and succeeded with it? No. Okay. My position on this is if the government, I don't care on one level if they've robbed me of whatever might be associated with the all uppercase name. Right? I've been on in years and the rest of that sort of thing, and I'm a senior citizen, but I'm not really concerned about, and I don't have that much to worry about anyway. It might be a different thing if I had you know, a couple million dollars stoked away under that all uppercase name. I don't. So it's easy for me to do this. But if I were able to simply make them admit that that estate is something other than me, they can keep whatever they make out of the state. I get to keep whatever I make from here on out without reference to that estate. If that was possible, I'd be a happy camper. You go ahead and keep whatever you stole from me. I just want to keep whatever I make from here on out. Now, that's my approach. I understand that you have some land and you have some valuable property that's associated that is perhaps associated with that with that birth certificate. And so you have a bigger incentive. It's easy for me to give something up that doesn't have much in it. 
Well, you stand correct in your observation and in, in your statement. Um, but what is more valuable is a return of life and liberty. I agree. I agree. That's exactly what I'm looking at. That's that's essentially what I'm saying. Look, just get that thing out of my way. Don't associate me with the all uppercase name again. I want to make. I want to live the balance of my life as a man, right? Made in God's right. image. I want the government to recognize me in that capacity. And if they do, you know, it doesn't mean you know, I'm going to live happily ever after. But that's.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.